follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing well. I'm glad to hear it, and I want to say, everybody out there listening, thank you for listening with us. I don't know if it's the, the week we drop it, or if it's somewhere on down the line. It'd be kind of hard to go the other direction, but whatever. I'm just glad you're listening. I'm glad you're here with us. We appreciate all of you. Um, there's Could we been... do the other? Could we do it the other way? Is there... Is there some sort of time travel technology that that you have or you're aware of that I'm not? <laughs> I'm just saying that if they had the time travel technology and chose to listen to our podcast early with it, mm-hmm. I would be flattered and very confused. So what you're saying <laughs> is that I could travel back in time with the player's almanac and make myself <laughs> fabulously wealthy. Only but, then, got... uh, but then my town would become an actual like dystopian nightmare. Yeah, because I've changed the fate of everything. Sorry, and my there's daughter, some. It's, like, it's okay it's set for some reason. And Matt, the other thing you have to remember, there's something very specific you have to remember. Those boards don't run on water, you bojo. <laughs> so man, yeah. you know I love one and two, but three is such a. I you know I always I always have good intentions. Like I'm gonna watch all three Back to the Future movies. I get through the first two, and then like I almost never watch the third one. I don't. It, the th- I don't think the third one's not as good, but I don't have a problem with it actually. My I, problem. I, I have a lot of problems with it. So um, it's too slow. Uh, I don't like his love interest. Uh, in the movie, and I don't like um, I don't like that they nullified the DeLorean, which it's fine for the first movie, but it feels like you're just rerunning the oh the time machine doesn't work thing. Uh, so I I don't really care for the third, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't seen the entire uh film, but I did. Uh, I just recently flew, and I I saw some of the. The, this year's Flash movie. Oh, God. Uh, uh, it actually wasn't as bad as you think it was, like, from what I saw. It wasn't like, oh, this is amazing, but it was also like, I didn't, I was a fine use of my time on a plane, but I didn't see all of it, but I did see some of it. And it's part, it's based kind of on, like, the Flashpoint. Uh, yeah, which is a bad event to begin so, with. Yeah, so he goes back in time, and doing that, he essentially creates, like, an alternate reality. Um, so he goes back and, and in this reality, like he goes back in time to this reality, but he has like a version of himself, like a younger version of himself has not yet been given his powers. Okay. So he meets up with that version, like hijinks, but because it's an alternate reality, like he, he references it at some point there's a back to the future reference and his alternate self is like, 
oh yeah, like Eric Stoltz was so great in that, and it's oh, like oh, God. and, and, and what a know, cut. The other Barry Allen is like, oh no, I've really screwed up badly, and it's that's <laughs> that for anyone who has seen, especially like the movies that made us on Netflix. Uh, I mean, Eric Stoltz was originally cast as Marty McFly, and I think filmed like pretty much the entire movie, and it yeah. tested so horribly because he was playing it like completely straight. Like Back to the Future was essentially like a horror movie. Like he had gone back in time. And oh, it was like God. a nightmare. Um, so he played it. He played it straight, and like the basically the filmmakers were like, "This does not work at all. It's supposed to be like a lighthearted comedy." That's that's funny you bring that up with. Um... One of you posted the other day about Michael Caine and the Muppets Christmas Carol, where they're like, well, oh, you yeah. know, there's Muppets in it. Have fun with it. And Michael Caine's like, I'm going to play this as serious as a car accident. <laughs> yes, that's that's actually the quote was, I'm going to play this like I'm working with the Shakespeare Company in London. He just played it completely straight. He should have. Like, it. It's who, wonderful. Whoever whoever told him to have fun with it like should have been shot right there. Like they should have just had Alec Baldwin come in and like shoot him. Because, like, it's, like, it, it would not have worked. Him playing it completely straight is how, well, for one, you should do Scrooge, but, like, that's how the movie wouldn't have worked otherwise. Mm-hmm. I think he was having fun with it by playing it completely straight, so. Oh, he had to, it had to have been, like, yeah. a, a fantastic inside joke for him. He must have been, like, tickled inside that he's, like, doing a serious acting job and it's just muppets around him i would have been i would have been like this is the most amazing performance i've ever given and it's full full of muppets i love it his okay the only thing that i will concede is maybe not as great as some might think yes the this the part where he's singing at the end it's like okay i understand michael caine doesn't sing but on the other hand i actually think that's charming because, you know, here's Scrooge, who is so full of life and so happy now that he doesn't care if he's off key. He's, you know, he is enjoying it. He is he is in this place where it doesn't matter. And he's, you know, really getting into it. And so, you know, I don't I don't have a problem with it. You know, I, I like it. And I- I have to say though I like Tim Curry's performance in Treasure Island better than Michael Caine's, because mm-hmm. like Tim Curry just goes hog wild in Treasure Island. Well, that works though. It first it's it's Tim Curry, so if Tim Curry doesn't go hog wild, then something's wrong. And then second, you know, whole different whole different story. But you know, Clue is one of my favorite movies and. Tim Curry goes from very reserved to very over the top over the course of that. And it's just so much fun to watch. My, my but, favorite of him is, um, it's a command and conquer where he's going to take communism into space. <laughs> is that command and conquer? Or am I, I think thinking, it is. Yeah. That that's hilarious. Or he's got, he throws his head back laughing at you and stuff. Yeah. I got mad though, because I, um, I decided to do something stupid and reread Dracula as an audiobook. And I picked a new version because Tim Curry, like they had different roles reading it. Uh-huh. Because if you if you haven't read the original Dracula, Dracula is told through letters. Yes. The book. So they they had different actors for that, and they had Tim Curry like listed number two. But the problem is is he reads the Van Helsing parts, so he's like reads like forty minutes of the book, and I was very oh, sad. That's a bummer. 
Yeah, I know. And then there's like there's the things like where science doesn't work and it like where um they give like Lucy like transfusions from like five different people and you're like, Oh my god, she would be so dead. Uh, you know, given what it was written, it's like uh whatever. And the best version of it is the unlicensed Nosferatu from, like, 1923 or 22. Mm. Legit, like, more terrifying. It's, um, the guy that that played it, Or... Uh, Count Orlock is the character. Right, but his real name wasn't far off. Oh, Max Shrek or something like that. Oh, it was Max Shrek, okay. Okay, I just watched the, um, I just watched the... If you get Shuttered, they, they, Joe Bob Briggs has a show on there, which if you don't know him, he used to host Monster Vision on TNT, and he did stuff on, like, I think, TM, TCM back in the, the day. But um, they are talking about it, and I guess um, Bram Stoker's wife, like, had a total, like, fit about it. And so, like, pretty much the movie was supposed to be destroyed, but illegal copies made it over to America, and that's why it survived. Oh, wow. And that's why it's in the public domain. But that that version was interesting because the version they played was really cleaned up and they time corrected it. So it doesn't have that ye olde time, like people moving in like 1.5 time. Oh, okay. Because they they slowed it down to the proper frame rate. Because back then they they shot things in like, well, they were hand cranking it um, so so it was way slower. But it was oh, more so shot. Oh, up to normalize it. Yeah, so like the, the the old movies were shot in like twelve to twenty frames per second, and then when they were when they modernize them, they bring them up to the standard thirty frames per second. So that's why people, that's why those old movies people move so fast because it's not time corrected to what they're actually shot in. Huh. Interesting. You're so, right. folks listening, exactly. we weren't. Go ahead, Matt. You're also uh, you're forgetting one of Tim Curry's uh, great roles. Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Congo? That's Congo. Okay. Oh, I haven't Stop seen that in forever. Stop eating my sesame, sesame cake. cake. Tim Curry is great in pretty much everything he's in. Yeah. Supposedly, supposedly there is a performance from Chicago of Spamalot with Tim Curry in it. And I would love to find that. You know what's a testament to him is I think a less talented actor would have been totally typecast and like had a really bad career after playing Frankenfurter because that would have been too iconic of a role and he made it. He like had a great career after that. Yeah, they, that was just that was just another. It was another thing on his resume. It wasn't the defining. Yeah, because I think I think a lot of people that would have tanked and they could have never gotten over it. Even if they did, you know, if you get if you get pigeonholed in such a small niche like that, it's hard to find more work. But Tim Curry's just so great that he got more work. And he was he was the only good part of Scary Movie too. I never watched Scary Movie 2. He has the best... He's like a perverted doctor, and there's a deleted scene that they put on the DVD that's actually the funniest part of the movie, where they're like, Doctor, you need to see... He's like, what is it? Like, titties? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. And you know, it's Tim so, Curry saying it, so it's hilarious. Oh, and he was um Captain Hook and Peter Pan and the Pirates. Yes, he was. And he was just in something I saw, like, voice acting-wise, that I was really surprised. But I don't remember what it was now. 
he did a, he's done a ton of voice acting stuff oh no I've, oh it wasn't that it he was um he was the devil in um legend, legend? yeah oh yeah he's well he's unrecognizable in that because it's it's a, a ridiculous suit he has on oh yeah, yeah. but he's, he does back in the days of practical effects and i i mean i i probably i mean we we you all of us grew up with like practical effects yeah and cgi has has looked great but somehow it's like it's gotten dramatically worse like think of the cgi from like jurassic park through like the lord of the rings movies like amazing yeah like now it's garbage like that's that's because before like the average like marvel movie is basically like 95 percent like green screened and it looks terrible that's because they um well no they don't they they think that it's just a a catch-all but they don't understand like when they do that that the human eye knows like the problem with cgi a lot of the times is there's no weight to anything mm-hmm. or they try to use it to give like a a faking of space and you can tell it's constrained <clears throat> star wars prequels i won't even cough over top of that one that's god anyway we did not intend for this show to be about Tim Curry tonight. We just kind of happened that way. Speak for um, yourself. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to see if he was in The Last Unicorn, but I think I was thinking of Christopher Lee. Okay. So, uh, what were we going to get into tonight, guys? Um, so, this has been kind of a long time coming, I think. Uh, we just don't cover the aughts enough. But I would yeah. say... I would say that this is something we were going to get to eventually just because I would say as far as indie wrestling and the aughts go, this is probably like, I don't know if I'd say it's the most, like the biggest, most memorable thing that happened in the aughts, but I would say like as far as like creative booking wise, it's the height of Ring of Honor and one of the best angles of the aughts. So this is... We're going back to 2006, and this is Team ROH versus Team CZW in the Cage of Death. Death Before Dishonor 4. Now, I want to put this out there just for... Because I don't know if this is something listeners keyed to or not, but I actually very intentionally have not gone and watched some iconic stuff that... Like, I, I didn't go see, sit down and watch it. Like, I know it's there, but I didn't go watch it because I knew sooner or later we would cover it on this show. And this is one of the ones that I very intentionally did not. So the, I got to go into this one fresh. So I hadn't seen this for a long time. And I was going in expecting to cringe at some of the spots. And I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised on the safety that they worked under. And I was not as, like pissed off at like the stupidity as i was expecting there's only about two things i found like super egregious so one of the it seems like one of the pastimes for our our little friend group is to send clips (laughs) of indie guys doing incredibly dumbass things just to piss me off and through the course of this match, I think Brad said, I think there's only one thing that you're going to re- react to like that for. And 
I didn't even really have that reaction to anything here. The, um, the only two that bothered me, and I don't even remember what BJ Whitmer did, but he put someone on a chair and it kind of was awkward. And then when they did that double thing to um, Necro Butcher into a chair, I thought it was a little botchy. Oh, um, yeah, that that wasn't a great bump, but I mean, it's Necro Butcher. He's going to do it anyway. But even like mm-hmm. Nate Webb, when he did that like <laughs> flip with the chair off the top rope, I was like, oh, he was super safe about that. Yeah. Well, and I think was it him that did the uh, the moonsault off the cage? No, that was Hero did the moonsault. Hero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was really safe too. Like you wouldn't figure because the way the cage the cage of death is set up, it's not mounted to the ring, and it's not like Hell in a Cell where it's real crow. It's it's like a hexagonal or octagonal ring cage set up like way outside the ring. There's lots of space outside of the ring itself. Yeah, and there's implements of doom around the ring. <clears throat> plunder and so in the course of the you know that that uh that cage may not be the most stable thing in the world but chris hero does a it's a moonsault from i don't know i'd legit maybe say 12 feet off the ground to the floor but everybody's there and they catch him and it goes great yeah and they're like throwing stuff at him but they're like not getting close and stuff i would have laughed if they would have hit him in the balls with like a trash can lid <laughs> i suspect that's why they weren't getting anywhere close i know <laughs> but i my, my favorite part of this whole match and it's so stupid but so we'll get into the story of the match but there's a point mid-match where chris hero starts cutting a promo oh and yes. he's literally like mid-sentence and a steel just murders him from behind with a trash can and it's hilarious he just chucks that Chris Hero's cutting this promo about how CZW is better than ROH. So, and all of a sudden, Steel just chucks this trash can and hits him right in the side of the head. And it was hilarious, I, but I was like, oh, if I was in the crowd, that would have been really satisfying, especially since yeah. Hero is a heel. I got, I got a big laugh out of it. Yeah. Okay, so how do we want to approach this? Do we kind of want to go in order? Just kind of progress through the match? Well... Do we want to, like, hit any background stuff as we go? So I read some background stuff, but the pro wrestling wiki on this is terribly written. Yeah, we'll, as much background as we can suss out. An AI would have written written the pro wrestling wiki better than whoever actually did it. I guess 17 years ago? Yeah. So... So anyway, uh, this is, like, this is a big program that had been going on since February, um... I think they had done stuff in both promotions. Okay. So this is kind of the big blow off. Um, Jim Cornette and JJ Dillon are involved. Okay. I, just just for my edification, because I didn't go looking for this. What was what was Cornette was the ROH commissioner at this point? I think so. I don't remember. Okay. It's really I know. Was he booking by then? No, he was not. Okay. Because so, he did, he did at some point, and that's yeah. when things really took a nosedive. I don't think he starts booking until like 2010. So what was what was Dylan's role? I think he was just like a personality they brought in because like he had been involved in war games, so he was just okay. kind of there to do the coin toss and like, hey, you know, hey, maybe we'll sell an extra hundred tickets because people want to get JJ Dylan's autograph. 
I think that's I think that's pretty much what it was like. So I I think that was probably a smart use of him. It kind of add like gravitas to yeah the whole concept of war games. Okay. okay, some some credibility. Got it. Yeah. So um so this match kicks off and, because uh, I also tried to read. Oh, I couldn't figure out because ROH had a man advantage, and I'm guessing that's because they won the coin toss, but I wasn't sure. They they did. I did hear that. Yeah, they won the My, coin toss. So this is <laughs> this is on YouTube. Uh, excuse me that's how i watched it but uh there really wasn't commentary but i think there was like commentary at the beginning or there was something at the beginning where it's there i heard someone say that they want the coin toss i think that, that was, was dylan yeah i think that is okay it might have been the ring announcer they they go yeah the ring announcer saying there's gonna uh, be a they, coin toss that, that sounds right because the ring announcer was talking explaining how this was yeah. essentially war games rules yes yeah now and, I, I don't know if there was commentary originally i kind of was happy there was no commentary though personally yeah i agree so one thing in watching this that you got to bear in mind is i think brad said that it's just indicative of the company at the time but the sound on this is abysmal um you're not going to to be able to hear very well at all unless people are talking directly in front of a camera no because um, so so the reason that is is because um someone explained what they need to do i think they needed a mixing board that they were not willing to pay the money for that would have mixed the audio into the video properly like you're just getting the camera picking up the house mic essentially right, on these shows right. so it's, and that's way too much noise coming into one channel yeah if, you, if you're watching this and you're used to like the quality of like what the tens indie shows look like you're gonna really not be happy <laughs> because like there's like joe pissant um indie in a barn taping their show probably has better video and audio quality now than this does yeah it's it's um well, you'd be surprised because I, I I did an indie show recently and that was like in a rec center, yeah, uh, and it was over like I guess just like the PA system. Although it looked like they were like taping it, um, like for their home, like the the promotion zone, like I guess video on demand or selling DVDs. I don't know, but it, it, I literally sat probably let's say 15 feet from the ring, like not even that far away, uh. And the sound system was so bad that anytime anyone tried to talk with the mic, it, you could not understand them to the point where people in the crowd were shouting, we don't understand you. Yeah. And literally it took at the very end, like after the final match, the guy was uh, the main guy was going to like cut a promo and people were just like, stop using the mic, just shout it. And he just shouted it. And it's like, oh, you're I can actually hear you now because you're not garbled by the sound system. Right. So the, people can't figure it out in 2023 somehow. No. And I think another issue is that they there were a lot of places in this era, as I remember, caveat, as I remember, but they were on the, the level of, you know, everything, we're doing everything live. 
And the places where I worked, whenever they would record shows and do it, they would just do the commentary after the fact and then mix it in so you could understand it. No, Ring of but, Honor did that because there's some really bad ones where, like, it's obvious they're not in the same place and someone... Okay. Like, I think there's even some really early ones where, like, Steve Carino's obviously on a cell phone, like, or on oh, a God. phone doing it. Like, there's some really bad ones from the okay. early years. So, in any event... If you're going to be as company a company as big as Ring of Honor is, they really needed a soundboard. Well, um, honestly though, I might take that back. Cause remember when we did the UWF one and the the uh, the commentary sounded like absolute garbage. That was mm-hmm. live. Right. Oh wow, that was really bad. Yeah, yeah, that was live on site. It. No commentary is better than bad commentary. Um, in my general opinion. Yeah, I I'm would not agree gonna with say, that. I'm not going to say every single time, but in my general opinion. So, Commentary is um, a lost art form, in my opinion. There are some people that, that do it well. Yeah. But they have not – those are not the people who have been operating in the biggest company for it yeah. for oh, a while. Oh, and fun fact, um, just – it's a bit of trivia, and he doesn't really play into the angle – but like part of what part of this angle did happen when Corey Graves was wrestling a steel um, early on in the feud. He has no like part in the feud. He's just like a bit of trivia attached to it. Huh? It's kind of like so how he... Mike Enos was in the ring when Scott Hall invaded WCW. It's kind of like that. Oh, OK. Yeah, it's so. OK, well, that because I forget Corey he was Graves Sterling was James. Was it Sterling James Keenan? Was his name? Yep. I think. Yeah. It was. It was kind of like a play upon uh, uh, the lead singer for Tool. Okay. Okay. So the, here's this Mater, guy. Uh, Mater Keenan. Yeah, okay. It's just the fact that it's this guy who was working Ring of Honor shows in the late aughts, and then in the mid teens got too injured in NXT. Not even main roster stuff, but they they had him stuck in NXT and he got too injured to work. It's like I think he had I think he had had issues beforehand. I mean his was I think his was concussion related, wasn't it? Oh okay. Was it? I yes? believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I I just get annoyed at the the whole retraining concept they lean into. But remember so oh, they you've done it before. I'm not going back into it. I'm sorry I brought it up. Remember they were hurting a lot of their prospects at the time because um. Ricky Steamboat's kid got, like, spinal stenosis, I think, from working in NXT. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he, he had been all over, about that. He had done, like, a, at least one tour of Japan uh, and seemed to be... Uh, he, he had uh, potential. Were, he wasn't yeah, he, great, his, but he had... he had. I think he had some something to him. Yeah. Maybe more than <clears throat> Lexus King has. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> If you guys are going to send me stuff just to piss me off with people doing dumb things, I'm going to get back at you a little I, bit. Don't you love the don't you love the 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 hype machine where everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so great. And now you don't hear a damn thing about him because he sucks. And like everyone's like, oh, like this is God, why people, people. Yeah, people were like, oh, AEW really dropped the boat on him. And it's like, no. And they see and I, wrestled like, oh, this is why they didn't push him. <laughs> Well, he just—he doesn't even have—he doesn't have charisma. No. And I'm—I'm—I'm I'm I'm more sympathetic towards towards him than a lot of people. But it's like, come on. 
I mean, I I'm more sympathetic than even Matt is, but it, it it's not like it was a huge get or anything. No, like I I'm not I don't hate the guy or anything, but like the the way people were acting like AEW missed the ball on him, it's like no, like he's like I always said, like his program with the Miz is like the best thing he's ever gonna do because that's like the height of his talent. Like I compared him and Griff to like the modern day version of high voltage and I stand by that. Mm. Well like you're never got gonna more going for him than high voltage did, but But like he's just he's limited. Like I, I and I never got the hype about him early, but like he's he's thirty, he's been doing it for like six or seven years. Like it's just who he is and like when people are like when the, and it, that's something that WWE fans always do is they'll sign someone and they'll be like, oh my god, that's such a great sign. And then like you've been watching that person for years and like, no, no, it's not. Like, oh, you're just a hater. It's like, no, I've actually seen them wrestle. So like I'm speaking from experience. And then they totally fail and it's like, see, this is why I told you they wouldn't work. Right. Who was it? What did that one that one Twitter thing say, Matt? It's like, oh, you know. AEW, it was it signed Jay White and Will Ospreay, and someone's like, doesn't matter, WWE got Lexus King, and it's like... It, someone said that, I, I I think they said it unironically. I don't, I don't think they were joking. If they were joking, like, okay, credit to you, you got the joke. Yeah, that, okay, that'd yeah. be a good joke, but... I don't think they I were. Don't think, I don't think they were either. Anyway. Like, uh... Anyway, so they're having this, this is the big blow-off feud to the CCW invasion of Ring of Honor, right? Yep. Okay. okay, that's all I've got. I don't. So, I don't. I know yeah. very little about CCW. Um, they're like, they've lasted longer than ECW. They're they got. Wait, was it CCW or XPW that like got beat up backstage at an ECW? XPW. Okay, that it was, was XPW. Okay, because that was Rob Black and okay and all of his people. Okay, um, I couldn't remember. So they've they've been around since like the late 90s um they've changed ownership a couple times they're kind of like a garbage promotion that has some good wrestling on it from time to time um they have they have their fans they have one of my favorite clips of all time which is the most illegal thing that ever happened in wrestling which is um the assyrian portal like hypnotizing the entire whole locker yeah and they all come out dancing it's all just so they can knock out like um I think Joe Gacy's actually in that clip. <laughs> I know which one you're t- the the whole dance number thing. Yeah, that's really fun. Like well, see, there's see, a there's a had... oh go ahead man. Go ahead. I was gonna I say there's a rematch too. I was just gonna say like CCW is odd because they they even more so I guess than like a modern promotion like GCW. Like they they had an odd mix of like really ultra violent death matches. And then they'd have like some really cool like indie wrestling or like light heavyweight cruiserweight action. Yeah. Um, and they had guys who are now you know some of the biggest stars of the industry. Like they trained CZ some w- of them. Yeah, CZW is really where John Moxley came from. Like that's yeah. that's where he cut his teeth. That's where Jonathan uh, Gresham came from. I mean, I mean, obviously from this, like Claudio was in it yeah. uh, for a bit. Uh, tons of guys. Briscoe's like kind of cut their teeth there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember first seeing them from like old VHS tapes that I got from like the very first CZW shows, and they were probably like 15 in this. It's like they should not have even been allowed to 
to do this stuff. And they weren't like doing death matches, but I mean, they were really young. Uh, I mean, he's kind of had a career resurgence in GCW, but uh, uh, Nick Gage, CCW, that's where yeah. he started. I they, remember yeah. seeing him and his brother, uh, Justin Payne, who I don't think is, uh, he, I think he died a lot that long ago. Like he's mm. no longer living. Uh, they, they started out kind of like, late 90s early 2000s uh nate webb who's on this show still does gcw stuff yeah nate webb is someone who is like i am surprised he's still alive and i don't mean that in a bad way it just there's somebody from that era in, in the indie scene and and kind of doing some of the sleazy promotions like czw back in the day that that he did like they they just overdosed or they something something I, took them out I was thinking about him because you we had talked about that, and I was thinking, you know, you could probably be long term a deathmatch guy if you're smart about it. Like if you're if you're very judicious and like when you do stuff, like if he doesn't do something crazy every month and he does like a crazy match like three or four times a year, that's okay. And based on this, like I haven't seen a ton of him, but I was kind of watching him, like, huh, like he kind of has talent. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I was like, huh, I wonder why that guy never got like a bigger run because he seemed like he was very technically competent and he did a couple things that were like, not like, um, I wouldn't say cool in a like flashy kind of way, but like cool in a, oh, that's like a super like technically competent, like wrestling thing you don't always see. Mm. Like he's actually good at his job, like stuff that I saw from him. So it's kind of like, huh, I wonder why he never went further. That is a name that I did not know at all going into this. He was, like, he's from that era of, like, those guys with, like, shit names that were, um, like, like, trailer trash and, like, the wife beater and, like, those guys. Uh, like, everybody was trying to find a name like Reckless Youth, but nobody could pull it off. Everyone was trying to justify wearing a wife beater and jean shorts to the ring, I think, is the problem. Uh, and being bald. Yeah. And being generic white guy number 22. And not being in terrific shape. It's a generation of, like, just incredible wannabes, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Like, I actually, I don't hate on just incredible. Like, the guy got way further than a lot of people did in the business. Um, but I also, it's like, uh, I wonder, should he have gotten as far as he did? He follows us on Twitter, so I try to be very nice about Justin Credible. He's not my oh, favorite. Okay, that's fair. He's not my favorite guy, and I feel terrible about it because, like, when you see him, like, interviewed or he does anything online, I'm like... My reaction to him is always like, good God, man, you are too normal and too nice of a human being to have been involved in this business. <laughs> it's the same okay. way with Medusa. Like, I don't like whenever anyone does a shoot interview about Medusa, they're like, she's a saint. They say the same thing about Molly Holly. Yeah, but have you seen the clip of Medusa talking to Meltzer and she's like, you know, people were like, ripping on you this is the first time she saw dave in person and she's like i thought you were hot like you were like buff and you had like the mullet and you had these like 
white pants and i just it's hilarious <laughs> and then melter you know melter's like uh, doesn't even uh, know uh, yeah uh, yeah not 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 to bag on him but melter does have a a pretty pronounced verbal tick i mean i don't i mean if, if i think most of us have someone that looked like medusa back in the day said that like on the air i think we'd all be like doing the um the vulture from the Bugs Bunny cartoons. I think we'd yeah. all kind of have that moment. Maybe a little, yeah. But um, it, yeah, Nate Webb is not a name that I I knew in the slightest going into this. Yeah. So um, so we we start off, and now there's a reason for it, but I, is a tactical decision. I strongly disagree with sending Samoa Joe out first. I don't like the booking having the the faces. But there's going. a reason. There's a reason for that, though. Yeah, there, there is. is. Yeah, I'm, I, I didn't correct. like it at first either. But it also there it serves a dual purpose, and we'll get into it because it yeah. also lets homicide come out last. Yeah, it, it there is a purpose behind it. I'm just saying that in general, that's not. Yeah, but in any event, the um... so Joe comes out first for ROH. Claudio is first for CZW, and then I got one look at Claudio's douchey hair, and I'm like, yes, Joe should kill you. <laughs> like I didn't well, have it... a problem with the tactics of sending Joe first because it's like, no, if we send him out there first and he just starts murdering people as they hit the ring, then that just works better for us. Yeah, but you like, want your. I... I would send my murder weasel out last, though, so that he's fresh for extra murdering when people are tired already. This was after his three-hour-long title defenses, right? Yeah, but I would still, I would still save my, I would still save my, my monster for last, though, because to get that last burst of. Uh, I'm just saying, I, I, I get it. I had I said that. I mean, Adam Pierce didn't do a damn thing in this match other than an elbow drop. I just would have sent him out there first, like let him get beat up the whole time. Well, but you didn't want to start. You didn't want to start the the ROH side cold. Well, that's true. So you you needed something to keep him fired up, and then by the first two people they send out together, and you you build that angle off of it's like okay, I I understand. Yeah. Like, so I'm okay with that. So this part, I actually like the first part. Like the, they went extra long with this, but Joe doing the Ole kick right into the side of the cage looked absolutely brutal. Uh, yeah. Matt, I'm sorry, I stepped on you earlier. Was what were you gonna say? Uh, I was gonna generally agree. Like I don't mind uh, Joe coming out first. Uh, I mean, as it turns out, like there was reasons why, and it was entirely like, storyline related. Yeah. Uh, and a kid did play into things, which I did think was clever. Um, I get what you're saying about Joe, because he's he was clearly like the monster here and was largely protected in that, except for like the angle that they did pretty early on. But um, I like he just went in there was just demolishing folks. And that's I, I mean, this 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 show was in 2000, what, six? Yeah. yeah. And here yeah. we are like 17 years later and it's still true. Like he's still just presented as just a monster messing people up. Uh, it's amazing. But he was like baby face in this practically. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I thought he did. I thought for the limited time he was in this, it was great. I did enjoy like him 
soccer kicking the trash can right into Claudio's face. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, Claudio Claudio took a beating here. And I'll agree, the Olay kick into the cage was rough. Yeah, and he, he whacked him a bit with the, the ladder, too. So you have this opening section where Joe's... I got about two minutes into the action, and I sent everybody a message. Just, I, I, I can't do this, guys. I can't do this. This isn't right. This is wrong. Claudio hasn't thrown one European uppercut yet. And Brad's like, give it about two minutes. And I was like, oh, now all he's doing is throwing. Okay, yeah, all is right with the world. Yeah. <laughs> so then um, BJ Whitmer is the next one out. Uh, let me look. Let me see. Because it goes BJ they... Whitmer and then Chris Hero, I think. Did they? Oh, this doesn't list them in order. Crap. I think it's BJ Whitmer. Because I remember thinking, like, we were a little bit into it. I'm like, oh, I appreciate BJ Whitmer is, like, the only one that dressed for, like, ass-kicking. Mm-hmm. Versus everyone else that came out in their gear. Um, he disappears for most of it, though, after doing his little flurry. Um, they didn't feed well early into this. It got a little better as it went on. Yeah. But there was a little... I think they kind of didn't know quite know what to do to start with. So then this this is kind of just, well, everyone comes in, does some of their stuff, and then Joe starts killing everyone. Then Brian Danielson's next. And so then he and Joe are just killing everyone. And then because and he didn't do this to join CCW or anything. He just did it because he's a dick. But then Brian Danielson turns on Joe and even while he's turning on Joe, he still beats up the CZW guys if they get too close to him. Mm-hmm. Just because it's not about screwing over ROH, it's just he's a dick. Yeah. And so he he pretty much destroys Joe's leg, and Cornette's yelling at him, and then Danielson just leaves, and then Joe has to be hauled off. And so now yeah. Team ROH is, instead of being up a man, they're now down a man. Yeah, two-point swing in the other direction. Yeah, and then... And, um, who can't... I, I should have wrote this down. I think Necro Butcher's the next one out. Was it him or was it... It might have been Nate Webb. Webb. It was Nate Webb, I think. Yeah, it was Nate Webb. Because I was looking at his... Is that Neck? No, that's not Necro Butcher. He has shoes on. Yeah, um, so... And then it's Adam Pierce, who might have been the most forgettable performance in this whole thing. Yeah, he he did an elbow drop that looked cool, but that's like the only thing I think he did that was memorable. Like everyone else had some good stuff in this, uh, except for him. I mean, the after the after match angle establishes that he was uh, Cornette's bodyguard, hitman, whatever. Yeah, so. I mean, him being in there, okay, I got it, makes sense. But, yeah, I, I would have hoped for something bigger in that moment. Yeah, then it's Necro that comes out. And now what I did like, I think Ace Steel, who's after that, comes out, and he brings um, a bull rope with a bell on it. And I really like that as a weapon because it was safe, but it let them get that loud thunk of like hitting people with it. Oh, and he was he was clocking every and I, it, this kind of reminded me just how 
the the aughts were still like a different thing because he was just like smashing dudes with that like mm-hmm. left and right and you could hear it and he was I really sinking the, his teeth into it yeah I, oh well <laughs> yeah <laughs> please clap <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry go ahead yeah. <clears throat> and then um out comes eddie kingston and even 17 years ago, with all this star power in the ring, like you're immediately struck by like Eddie Kingston coming out. Eddie was probably in his 20s at yeah, this point. Yeah, probably. <coughs> How old is Eddie? Um, like he may have been in like his early 20s. Because he was with Blackout at the time, so this is like him and Ruckus and Sabian, like we're doing, like tags and six mans and stuff okay so he was like 24 in this wow because they have him uh, his birthday is coming up on december 12th uh he's currently 41 he'll be turning 42 uh but yeah like he was like 24 because like do the math like 81 this is a 2006 but like july uh 2006 so 24 wait is that right no that's wrong 25 i've been 25 no no he was turning 25 okay yeah because uh, i, I would have been 25 for this because i was born in january of 81 so so he comes out and the, i don't know there's just an aura to him whenever he gets out there there's something very different in how eddie and he gets a pop even for being a heel compared to to everyone else too yeah. on ccw but so this is so at this point, Team ROH is just getting destroyed with a few hope right. spots. So this is where like the Chris Hero promo happens, and Ace Steel just murders him with a trash can. Now they did it. They did an interesting little bit in here, and I looked it up because they they have a title match later because Eddie Kingston and Chris Hero kind of get into it a little bit mm-hmm. because they don't like each other. They're just teaming up for this, which I like the dissension there. It's not like the the t- the WWE Survivor Series where everyone's like buddy buddy for brand supremacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah, yeah, pretty much. And so then we kind of get like the whole point. So then we get Homicide coming out, and this is like the big entrance. The crowd goes crazy. Homicide comes in the ring. Now, what I like is ne- Necro Butcher is wrestling with no shoes on, just to get this point. And you, it's hard to see what happens because of the production values. But so, Necro Butcher tries to, like, come for him, and, and Homicide just drops thumbtacks right in front of him yeah. to ward him off. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty solid stopping strategy is what that is. Yeah, and, and Homicide is literally pulling weapons from, like, he must have, like, a, a bag of holding or something. But what I liked that he did, though, is he turns the tide because he comes out and he gives everyone on Team ROH forks. Uh, So I did a little bit of reading um, trying to it's like, okay, I need some let's let me get some background going here. Like, what's what's the deal? Obviously, this is a story thing. What is the deal? And apparently in all the lead up to this. Homicide had been being very heelish, uh, flouting the, you know, the code of honor, 
and, you know, doing hardcore stuff and just basically jacking everybody up. So he was not announced as being on the team, but it's kind of a, I guess it was a general fan base thing. It was like, well, no, Team ROH needs homicide. So when his music hits, it's this huge payoff of, you know, hey, our, our killer's here. Um, the other thing is, man, fork spots have always skeeved me out. Did like, you, did you hate, did you, did you almost, did you like shudder when Homicide like raked the fork over his forehead for a Yeah, fact? yeah. I, I, fork spots just skeeve me out, man. It's, it's, I'm just like, ugh. So, no. I think by this don't. point, did, did everyone in the match have color by this point? Uh, maybe not homicide. Like a lot of guys did. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys did. But uh, yeah, here he is, comes and it's just forks everywhere, and I'm like, oh. So what I like about this match though is um, the discipline that went into this match, because everyone understood that the violence had to escalate. Mm-hmm. That they had to keep it in their pants. So, like, what you get as the match goes on is you get a subtle progression of the violence, and it gets more and more extreme. Like, this whole match, there is a table covered in barbed wire. Mm-hmm. And there's a spot with Joe and Claudio early where they kind of, like, tease it. But that table does not figure into the match until the last five minutes. Yeah, you're right. Like, they, they don't... They don't do anything with it for a while. Yep. This this match is I'm not I'm not saying this to try and sound like self congratulate. This match, in a way, kind of reminds me of of like street fights that I did. And it's not that it's a bad thing. It's that there's hey we're beating up on each other, but nobody's doing like anything super ornate or flashy because that opens you to more risk. So why would I do that? Why would I, you know, if, if, why am I going to do a, a, a shooting star press off the top of the cage? It's like, you know, everybody could just move and this is not going to go well for me. Um, it, there's key, there's a lot of keeping your feet on the ground and I grab this thing to hit you with. But it's also a lot of that good old stuff that makes a lot of noise, but also doesn't cave your skull in. You know, he, he hit somebody with you know, a real heavy object. Yeah, that's going to hurt, but it's it doesn't make a lot of sound. It doesn't you know, it's not a it's not an uh, audio audibly impressive sound to hear instead of um, there's no glass. Nothing. Yeah, there's no glass. I thought I thought for sure, you know, when all that like paper and like toilet paper was in the ring, I thought for sure they were going to set something on fire. So I was a little surprised nothing got set on fire. Right. But they didn't. They just like, did you guys they, think that that was going to like they were going to set something on fire when all that paper was like out there? Uh, no. No, uh, okay. I, I wasn't getting it. Um. Because I was like, what's but, all that's for? Like, are they? Because I was just like, well, like, I guess it's hardcore, and like ECW did fire. Like, I don't know. It's just that uh, in the course of the match, it's a 
it just feels more like these guys are just going out there and brawling with each other. And it reminds me of like, it reminds me of like more Memphis-y stuff where, you know, we're not going to go do big fancy moves because why would I do that right now? Instead, I'm just, you know, I'm going to grab this thing and hit you with it. Well, I think too, I think too, like, because they were good workers, they understood too, and they had worked it out. like, okay, well, the finish is going to be, I'll just tell you what the finish is. So the finish pretty much homicide cop killers, um, Nate Webb into like a piece of wood, like covered in barbed wire and pins him. So they totally understood within the confines of the match is nothing should be worse than that spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And they do that. They do that right. They handle it properly. They don't, you know, blow their load early on anything. Because I was uh, like, I was like, uh, having pinfalls is a mistake for this. It should be submission. And they did that. I'm like, oh, never mind. Uh, I rescind my complaint about <laughs> pinfalls. It is, um, a- as a brawl and a big feud top off, I like this very much. And there's because... um, there's what Matt says is lacking a lot of times, just pure hatred. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got plenty of that in here. Because I would say, I would say, so now, if I was talking about where this would rank as a War Games, I think it's easily better than anything WWE's ever done, but their War Games suck and miss the point. Um, Matt said he put any of the blood and guts over this, and I would say I'd probably agree with that. I I watched most of this. I pretty much watched this again uh, earlier today, and... I honestly, I, this is maybe a, a a step away from you guys, but it's like I don't know that I I see I'm a stickler because to me, to me, War Games is my favorite gimmick match of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would probably say like I I I could talk about like my thoughts on WWE generally like separately from this but i mean i part of the reason why i'm down on the wwe is i feel like so much about wwe is like kind of just like soulless it's very corporate almost like sanitized yeah it's it's very corporate sanitized you you know what it is let's 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 circle back to what we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. do we were we talking about cgi on air or was that before yeah oh no we we mentioned it wwe is cgi pro wrestling it's just it's very it's almost like it's focus tested yeah like that's mm. it's obviously it's not but it's, it's like, like it's disney like, wrestling where yeah, they've like, like yeah, focus like, tested all of the fun and flavor out of everything yeah and i mean they're the most successful wrestling company ever but i mean that doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best doesn't mean um, it's good or enjoyable it's and i mean and sometimes i feel especially like because I run the Twitter, sometimes I feel on Twitter it's like I'm maybe I'm a bit too unfair to WWE fans, but it's like I'm not understand I'm not I don't really I'm not talking about like the average WWE fan where it's like well I just like WWE I've watched it all my life I prefer it it's great like okay I'm talking about the people who are just asinine and like hate every other wrestling yeah and only believe that. You know, the WWE product has any validity to it and that people don't exist until because yeah. I mean, it's because like CM Punk just came back to the WWE. Like I imagine 
for many of the WWE people, it's like, oh, he's been retired since he left the WWE, and it's like, well, no, no. I mean, based based on the based on the ratings, I don't know what kind of draw he had, but they've botched that horribly. Like, I can't believe, I literally can't believe how they've handled Punk since he came back. Like, I'm not even gonna shit on Punk, like they botched it so horribly that like if I was in charge, I would be asking people what the fuck happened and who's getting fired for it because they like what, whatever their strategy was with him is like been a total failure and not what you should have done. Hmm. To, to circle back though, the WWE war games, uh, I haven't seen this most recent one at survivor series. It didn't uh, sound maybe, good. Maybe it's decent. Uh, no one's even talking it. No one even like really talked about it that much. That tells me it wasn't great. I think Meltzer gave it a good review, which doesn't necessarily say anything because he gives a lot of stuff like more stars, you yeah, know, than he should. And that's you could talk about Meltzer and his rating system. I personally, and again, I like Meltzer. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about some stuff Meltzer was discussing in the last few days, but I want to say that uh, you I, can, I, you can, you can be like a. You can have a good match and it not be memorable. So like that, you know, like that just because it has a good star rating doesn't mean it's like going to be memorable or like stand the test of time. I agree. I think he gave this I think he gave this the men's uh, Survivor Series War Games like like four and a half stars, which, again, this was like the Meltzer from like 15, 20 years ago giving a match like four and a half star it'd be like this is one of the best matches of like the decade like you, you have to see this match and now it's like he gives like any given he gives probably like a dozen matches a month or more yeah. like four and a half stars so it's like it doesn't necessarily mean what it does it's probably it would have probably been like a three and three fourths match back in the day i haven't seen it it may be good so you know that may be like a good wwe war games i think i feel like the war games that they did like an NXT where everyone was like undisputed era versus someone uh, just wasn't good. Uh, Overwrought so too long. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is like watching this again, it's like I, because I'm a stickler, I don't know that I would actually even consider this a war games. Like I know it's war games rules of sorts, but to me it's like, mm, this wasn't like a real war games to me. No, I but would, I would agree. I would tend to agree with your statement on, I, I feel like AEW's blood and guts. They can't say war games because they don't they don't own the copyright to that. But to me, that is spiritually like more like a war games mm-hmm. than than like what most people and what consider war games now like a WWE version of war games and what what I kind of feel this was. But that doesn't mean that I don't think this was good. I will say I think. I felt like the first half of this, uh, not that it was boring, but it was also like it was just kind of there. It was almost like it was it was a lot of anticipation and it, waiting around. Yeah, and then it, once Homicide shows up, then it's like, OK, now the match starts and it kicks into gear like they had to they had to properly. They had to properly build dread and. um Oh, what's the word I want? They had to they had to build dread and hopelessness, like between Joe getting hurt and homicide showing up. Mm-hmm. Like so, I think I think 
that kind of was a drag, but like, I think for me, it paid off. Like, it made sense. Like, while I was watching, like, huh, like, this is really kind of hopeless and dreary. And, like, I don't know where they're going with this. And then when Homicide, like, came out and, like, it turned the tide of the entire match, I was like, oh, okay. Like, uh, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what you're selling me. So, like, I get, I get how, though, that can feel slow and stuff. But I kind of see, like, I think, I think what I would say about this match is, it worked for me, but I could see how it doesn't work for someone else because this match has a very specific creative vision to it, and that might not be for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think that we suffer in not being in the time period for the match. Like, there's we, we've alluded to there are other feuds, and there was the thing about... Um, and the Springboard's Homicide... homicide. The Springboard's homicide to eventually beat Danielson for the ROH title later in the year. But in us not being in that moment, then yes, we're, I, I feel like we are missing out on um, – we're missing out on a lot of the stuff that would make it special just because we don't have the that the moment around us. Yeah, because because really, though, it's kind of an extended double turn now that I'm thinking about it for ROH and that you're turning your champion heel and then turning like his next big challenge, like his his the guy that's going to beat him face in like the same Mm. swoop. Right. So there's there's a bunch of connotations that we had to uh, fill in backwards and kind of go back and and rebuild in order to understand a lot of what was going on. And I think, I think it also plays upon where I think it might lose a bit in translation. And I think it did lose some in the translation for me is I think it requires the match preys upon um, a certain level of partisanship that you're going to have as an ROH fan at the time. So I think, I think being far away from it and not having that like, that super invested, like emotional, um, partisan, like ROH fanboy thing, like hurts some of like the way they build heat too. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with what you're saying. The, um, cause like for me, like, and I think, I think Matt had said this, I, and I don't, I might be misquoting you, Matt, but you, I think at some point you had said like, well, you know, CZ's W side kind of has more star power than like half the guys on the ROH side. I agree, and that did honestly take me out a little bit because on CZW you had you had uh, Claudio and Chris Hero. Okay, so they, I mean, in the indie scene, uh, they were pretty big, especially they. Well, they're big I in this, this era too. Well, yes, I mean Hero. Hero is more of a coach, but I think he's like tentatively dipping his toe back into actually like wrestling again. But mm-hmm. um, I did make a mean joke I... about Hero because I, I made a joke in our Discord. I'm like, I was like, wow, Chris Hero is only a B cup in this one. Yeah, <laughs> poor guy. For he was so skinny in this, like almost anorexic. And well, then, you know, he was on gay, Colt's he's... podcast and he was mm-hmm. talking about. Um, I don't know if this was his skinny era, and it's mm-hmm. because of this, but he was saying like. 
he's always been kind of hefty and he goes up and down his weight but he said like the first time he really lost weight he was doing this training camp with um fit finley and they were doing something and fit went to lift him and he grunted he's like oh you fat pig and he's like that made me lose like 50 pounds mm-hmm. hero has a thyroid condition i believe which can make that regulation really, really tough. And he could just be like not, me, where he could just be like me, where if he comes in like contact, like just touches a cookie, he gains five pounds too. <laughs> just looks at a looks at a crumbled cookie. Yeah. If it, oh! like, uh, like I just, I, if I just smell McDonald's French fries, like it starts going straight to my ass. So, like, yeah. It's funny you say that because I. I generally have like tried to not eat fast food in the last few years. Um, then I had a, a child oh, <laughs> who, <yeah>. who <laughs> aged into a toddler, and I swear to God, like uh, half of her diet is like chicken nuggets. So yeah, uh, that's I've every McDonald's like a lot yeah. uh, last year. It's that's... it's not anybody's fault. It's just that era of getting them to eat something is a yeah. victory, and then if that's what they eat, then fine yeah mcdonald's has that scam on lock yeah that seems pretty consistent uh because if you have a toddler it's like it's let's say they love anything like name something like they love hot dogs it's like oh you love hot dogs okay let me make you another hot dog like literally the next day it's like oh no i hate that why would you make that for me i don't want that (laughs) okay you loved it like 24 hours ago i don't i don't want it i I don't i don't have my phone with me right now i've ah Hang on, I've got to see if I can find man, this. Man, you're you're a lucky you're a lucky man that um you can actually get them to say they want a hot dog, cook the hot dog, and get them to eat the hot dog without that becoming an issue, like because that's yeah. happened to me before. There's um or like with my niece, like when she was young, like oh you cooked it wrong, like oh my god, like really? Yeah. Like you put too much sauce in my spaghetti, like that's the whole point of spaghetti. Okay, so oh, there my is. Daughter. Brad, my daughter, we made pasta for her like Monday night. So last night, uh, how do you want it plain? Uh, what do you mean? You want butter? You want what? No, I just wanted pasta. Oh my like, God. That's it. That's like, she, just, yeah. she wanted nothing yeah. of the pasta. There's... Absolutely nothing of the pasta. That's, that's, yeah, that, that's had, okay. So there is a, <laughs> no uh... flavor pasta. That's what she yeah. wanted. There is a YouTube channel that is called, uh, Langdon Landon Ashworth comedy. Now, the thing about this is that he will start every every one of his things. It's this guy having conversation with his kid, and his kid's wearing like a he's wearing a cowboy hat and like a I don't know some kind of flannel shirt. And always to excuse me, daddy. And the very first one my brother ever sent me. Excuse me, Daddy. I believe there is something wrong with my hamburger helper. What's wrong with your hamburger helper? It is gray, and I do not eat gray food. And he's like, this is all you've eaten for the last two weeks. Every meal, that's the only thing you'll eat. Daddy, that is some gray-day bullshit. And, you know, it, it is this in- great encapsulation. And then you get to the end of it, and he just starts eating the hamburger helper out of the cup. He goes, well, what? Okay, I thought you didn't like it. I don't know what you're talking about, Daddy. This is my favorite food. Like, it's so spot on. It's it's almost painful. Wait till you get. Wait till they get into like sour stuff, and they like want you to try. It. It's like I'm not. I'm not eating your super sour stuff. Like I have adult taste buds. It's going to kill me. <laughs> um, 
well, so far my kids aren't really into sour. Uh, that's like a that turns into like a teenager thing. Oh, yeah. When they get into like the what what were those things called the what were those super sour things called when we were kids? Are you talking about warheads or goosebumps? Warheads. Like warheads. Yeah. 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 I thought the warheads were hot though. No. Uh, they had both. They have they have sour warheads and they have hot. Warheads. Oh, I thought the atomic warheads were the the hot ones. They that you are correct. Atomic that's, fireballs. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay. That's a different candy, but that's the same concept. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. wife loves like sour candies, like Sour Patch Kids. I like Sour Patch Kids and I like the the trolleys, but um. The I trolley. have said before, I absolutely hate uh, any sort of gummy based candy i do i do not mind sour patch kids because this the sour kind of cancels my hate of gummy. well they kind of the just the sugar like the sugar like the powdery sugar coating kind of reduces the gummy in my opinion yeah trolleys are good for that too my problem is that i cannot just stop it like a few of those i just enjoy it so much that i just keep i want I know, to keep and going and it, i'm like i can't do the i can't but I want to. And they don't they don't sell them in like little single serve bags either, which would make that better. Uh <laughs> going back to talking about the match, um Yeah, yeah. Claudio Hero, Eddie Kingston obviously, uh Necro, Necro Butcher, yeah. and Spider Nate Webb. Nate Webb is like like the the weakest link on this CCW team, but it's like that's better than like a steel. I would uh, take Adam Pierce and uh, who's the other guy? BJ Whitmer. Like BJ like, Whitmer made sense because he was a four time ROH tag team champion and he was over. Like I got him. Like I honestly, the second I saw a steel was in this match, I'm like a steel was still working for them at this point. Like, wow. So my takeaway on that front was I'm I'm watching this match and here we go and I'm like god you know they took out for lack of a better term they took out all the flavor like you you're watching this match and it's it's Whitmer and Steel and um damn it uh Whitmer Steel Pierce. and Pierce and I'm just like uh like seriously, it, it, was this one of those things like where they they put the the Ring of Honor title on Xavier to try and make him or something like that? Is that what they were going for? But as it turns out, Homicide's arrival, what they're doing is it's set up in order to create this contrast that when Homicide gets there, it's a massive tonal shift and it makes Homicide's appearance even more special. And I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm picking up what you're putting down now. Yeah, but, but in the moment, I'm like, uh, do we do we have to? And I could see, I could see, like, like I don't even disagree with like Matt's problems with it, but I could see how their creative choices would not jive with everyone. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's totally fine. Like, if you if 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 someone were to watch this and doesn't like the the choices they made and feels cheated that like Joe and Danielson are out, like, I totally get that. And that's actually kind of, though, what I respect about this match is they made they made bold, creative decisions and didn't care if it was divisive or not. Like, I appreciate, like, the... I appreciate that they weren't wishy-washy about it. I appreciate they just said, this is the story we're going to tell, and we'll see how it goes. 
instead of being like, well, no, we don't want to take a risk there because, you know, that might upset people. They leaned in. Like, everything they did was committed, so... Um, but I didn't uh, feel... Yeah. I did not feel that cheated by the Danielson-Joe turn because it it may, like... There was a purpose for it. They weren't screwing you over out of seeing them wrestle. It was, oh, we're going to tow. Because I think where this would fail in WWE now is CZW just would have won anyway. Yeah. Uh, I didn't mind that because it obviously was an angle. And I, I took it as an angle. So I wasn't like disappointed. Um, I, I Again, I, I say that as someone who is making the argument that the CZW team has more star power than yeah. the ROH team. But uh, I, I, this is perfectly fine. I understood what they were going for. They were, they were working an angle. So that was fine. And I think uh, ironically, like homicide homicides, like star presence in this. And the fact that he like essentially like single-handedly turned the tide for the ring of Otter team. I thought that made for like a better story. Cause it's like, it's essentially no offense three scrubs and then a homicide yeah. and homicide like turns the tide. It's, it, it was pretty, I thought it was a great performance by him. Oh, and can we talk about the other lulls I had in this is when he comes out and then there's Prince Nana dancing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was, I was laughing at that gif that someone made like where it's like a fight and these, it, it, it's pretty much, they, they, they took a fight of these two kids fighting while a kid's like break dancing. And they did like, they, 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 Titled two of them is like Hangman Page and Swerve Scott, and then the breakdancing kid was Prince Nana. <laughs> and I was thinking about that the whole time, but I was like, oh, there's Prince Nana, and he's fat. Like, I think back to the uh, there used to be a gift that was used a lot for WWE stuff, and it was one of those wwe network bumpers where they had one particular person would like do something and then look at the camera and cheese for it and i remember the ron killings like shuffles into frame and then off the screen and someone wrote a uh like in the wwe text it's just as ron killing shuffles across the screen he goes fuck you we got your money and that's 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 what i get out of um uh, when I saw that, for some reason, my mind immediately went to that GIF. It's just like, wow. And it, I... it actually reminded me of the. It's a. It's an older GIF. It's a too long, didn't read, and it's like Darth Vader and stormtroopers like dancing. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't. I haven't seen that one in like a decade. But. Oh yeah. But yeah, I I did laugh at Nana dancing. The guy, uh, I guess he's got a brandy stick to right? Hey, man, he, I, you got I, you got to respect that he grinded on the indies forever, and he's become one of the more entertaining parts of a, a major national promotion like 20 years in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I am, for the most part, I am thrilled for, for people that make it. And, and am I a little jealous? Maybe. But on the other hand, I didn't pursue the career hard enough to really earn enough to be bitter about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to more than anything, just be happy for the guys who, who have made it. I, I mean, hell, I was happy for guys I knew that were on dark and just how cool that would be. 
Um, There's just something I, I, I know why WWE never signed him for a lot of reasons, but I, I just love him like that. He is just. He's just a guy that's, like, naturally entertaining by just existing. Like, I don't even think he, like, goes out there with a plan. I think he just acts like himself and he's entertaining. He, uh, I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen clips of the, the Hey EW uh, that he did. With, oh, he's uh, on there? I got, I've got a lot yeah, of that. Yeah, with RJ City. He did it. Yeah, he did it, it, the I whole Mogul Embassy did it. And it's yeah, the whole Mogul Embassy. It, it's funny because I think, like, uh, I think, like, Bishop Khan, like, is playing it straight. Yeah. He's like completely like serious, and then you have Nada being just his usual like charismatic but hilarious self, and, and Brian Cage just, is being funnier than usual too. Brian Cage is such an oddity to me because it's like he seems like a big meathead, um, but he oddly can like do like really good. He he oddly can put on good matches at times and can be like really entertaining. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like he's a guy who like. Obviously, his wife complained because he wasn't being used. And then I don't know. It, it, somehow, like, TK took that. Tony Khan took that personally. So he started using him more. But he's actually been using him in, like, a smart way. Well, I think he so, has. I think he. I think some of the not using him, though, is he had a pretty severe back injury, I think, in Impact. That's true. He did. And mm-hmm. I think that affects him at times. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I have a soft spot for Brian Cage. Yeah, yeah, I think he he works like he I think he's like a perfectly good hand like he could use him and like he, I think he's like I do think he's perfectly slotted in like the role he's in like he's not I don't know that you would and it's a place like impact you probably would maybe like, like consider putting him in like your upper card. I think mm-hmm. he won the impact um, title when he was there. He did. I think he did briefly win it, but yeah, I, would, uh, I mean, he's. He, I would, I would totally. If I was an impact level promotion or MLW, I'd totally put him as a main event guy. Yeah, but for AEW, like, not really. Like, he's he fits the role like he should. Like, he's uh, kind of like that mid card, almost like gatekeeper type. You yeah. Can have you could actually he's believable enough that you could have him play spoiler and and beat up like upper card guys, but and you know you could put a tag title on him here and there like maybe you know oh someone got hurt and you need someone to like job like two weeks later with the international title like i think he's Mm. that caliber of guy Mm -hmm. yeah like i wouldn't put the world title on him but any other belt like for a transitional period like i think he's totally fine for that Mm. he's kind of at his ceiling in that company and i would have put the belts on him and big bill for a little bit that's just well, I mean, uh, looking it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Sorry, I, I, you just said that as I was like looking something up. But yes, I actually thought that the, the Brian Cage like Big Bill team was oddly like really good, like compelling. I'm like, I want to see. Uh, I so I actually said this on Twitter, and he Brian Cage liked this. He like mm-hmm. liked the tweet, but I was like, I. I'm down with the Brian Cage Big Bill team, but I want I said I wanted them to basically be like road warriors. I want them to just like go out and like demolish people. So like, fun just have them go out there, squash people, have them like not lose, and they would actually get massively over. So fun fact, um back in NWA Hollywood when that was like at its heyday, he um tag teamed with Eli Drake as the natural selection. Eli Drake. 
he was Sean Richter at the time. Yeah. But um. See, yeah. I was gonna say so. So let's. Would we rec? So let's go around the table real quick. Cause there's a couple other things Matt wanted to talk about before we went off the mm-hmm. air, but. So, would you recommend this match to someone? Because I guess I'll go first. Like, I would definitely recommend if someone wanted to like, wanted like a list of like what to watch, of like aughts indie wrestling. Like, this would be on the list definitely. Uh, so I would. Um, I would not say it's my favorite match, uh, of the aughts or that we've reviewed, or of ROH, etc. But I do think. Uh, I'm not really into deathmatch stuff. Um, I can appreciate it. Uh, I have not seen the Hangman Page Swerve uh, deathmatch that was just done at Full Gear, but people are raving about that as uh, there are some like great Simpsons memes on that. Like, correction, it's free blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've not seen it. I've heard there are people who are making the argument like this is this is in the contention for match of the year and. People are like, no, like it lets that's legit, like that's fair. So I haven't seen that. So I need to watch it just because um, there were a bunch of uh, there are a bunch of professional pearl clutchers, namely um, Dave Shire, who fuck you, Dave oh, Shire, yeah. you you fucking made money off of ECW, where half that roster's dead from drugs and head trauma. Like you don't get to uh, you don't get to uh. You don't get to clutch your pearls about something AEW's doing, and also you're a fucking coward. Turn your um, turn your replies on, dickface. Mm. <laughs> um, I really feel no, I hate. I've never liked him, but like his pearl clutching over that, and like the fact that they fucking turn the comments off, like the cowards they are, and like on his Twitter, it's it's you can't comment on anything he does because he's a fucking coward. Like fuck him. Yeah. Like, like if you want to be a little pearl clutching bitch, then own up to it. At least, you know what? Like, I hate Cornette, but at least you can like chirp at Cornette all day, because mm-hmm. he's not a fucking coward. Yeah. Well, he blocks people. He's blocked us, so it's. <laughs> we didn't even do yeah. anything to him. But no, I mean that's fine though. Like, I'm fine if if you want to block someone because they came at you too aggressive. Like, that's perfectly fine. I'd rather people do that than their um. They're, oh, I get so much hate on social media. It's like, there's a block button, guys. But, like, just to automatically turn the replies off because you're a fucking bitch-ass coward, like, come on. Like, that's different. Like, <laughs> I see that as totally two different things. Because um, I'll, I'll give that da- like, as much as I don't like Dax, like, Dax, like, there was that one woman, I can't remember her name, and I feel really bad because she's, in- she's an interesting follow, but, like, the fact that she said something Dax didn't like, so he asked her about it, and she replied politely, and he just accepted it. Like, I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I will say I I would give this a thumbs up. Uh, I personally... Again, I, I'm not a Deathmatch guy. This isn't necessarily, like, as Death... This is, this is nowhere near as, like, Deathmatch of death matches i've seen i would say this it's is more styled... old school blood and guts than it is death match yeah i mean it styles itself again as like a war games match i said i don't necessarily like view it as a war games match um i would call it cage of death before war mat war games yeah, because i it, think that's fair yeah it has the trappings of it and i would say i'd say it's closer to war games than wwe war games is 
But like, to, uh, yes, yes. To me, to be war games, you have to have two rings. You need two rings. Um, I also feel like you have to. It, go ahead. I was gonna say you have to have a ceiling. Like I, I get why. Uh, I agree. I get why they had it set up, and and I'm gonna be fair to them. Like it is an indie, so they they did not they were not in a building where that was feasible. So, like I get it. Like uh, I would you. you you posted clips of like Jakara stuff where Artie Evans was like trying to do stuff and the ceiling was so low. Like he tried to do a top rope move and he like fell down. Cause he like hit, the, he hit the ceiling and he didn't even like jump. <laughs> oh, are you talking about the one where, um, where he had done it earlier and he was going back up and the crowd yelling at him, like be careful. And then he goes to do a flying yes. headbutt and just eat shit because he misses completely. Like that was hilarious. Yes. yes. Yeah, I mean the ceiling was like he gets on the top rope, guys, and Did you watch the one um did you watch the one where he was doing his first springboard and Chuck Taylor's like talking him through it? No, I I've not seen that one. That was hilarious. Um Where where is going on with Artie Evans? Like where is he? Like I know he like got fired from the WWE. I don't know. For something stupid. Then I, I that's like the last No, I think he about. got didn't he get I don't remember how when he got let go, but He's also one of my favorite clips where Chuck Taylor tries to drown him in that, like, famous Canadian painting of, like, a pod. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna drown him! Um. God, he's a, he is such a, he is such a miss. Like, I loved him as Archibald Peck. Like, he was... Oh, yeah. Uh. I'm digressing a lot. I, I do think that this is a worthwhile match it's uh the odds are like the odds are really like a weird time because i've been trying to watch some some like uh ring of honor stuff and in old school like indie stuff that i've 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 seen from that period or i have like on on disc from that period like like some ccw stuff but also like iwa mid-south like stuff it's just I don't know that that era ages that particularly well. No, and that saying is like there are guys who are still around today that were good even back then. Uh, it's obviously, a, like the guys like Steen and Generico uh, made it like in the WWE. Like they're huge stars now, but also guys that are still stars and doing stuff like uh, like Alex Shelley or I Chris think, Saban. I like, think they, the issue is. Um... It's a very transitory period, like where it's evolving from like 90s WCW cruiserweight and ECW hardcore into what we have now. So like the modern deathmatch stuff that's too violent, in my opinion, and the modern day spot food that's like developed its own style that's kind of AEW. So like we're in this transitory period. So... It ages poorly sometimes because you kind of get the worst of of the 90s and current day like mixed into one match, but it's not always quite good enough because they they haven't kind of perfected it yet and like a lot of times the guys aren't like they haven't kind of developed like modern training and like modern dietary stuff because like a lot of that stuff like a lot of medicine has progressed a lot since then and a lot of like fitness stuff has like evolved since then so it's this weird it's modern guys you know but it's not because they're still kind of like in stone age like wrestling style and like 
nutrition and stuff. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before, but like uh, guys nowadays have more, I would say, natural bodies. They're smaller. Yeah. Then I mean, we just we covered Survivor Series '88. Yeah. And it's like compare like those dudes, big oh, yeah. beefy guys. Even Coco, like even day. Coco's kind of bigger yeah. for like today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would I would recommend this match. I do think that uh, it's kind of in its era though. He you probably would need some context for people to just watching it cold because I I wasn't as familiar with it, but. I would say it's it's a good match. If you had contacts, it it adds more to like. I think there's the some history videos it. on YouTube that was recommended along with it that I might. I don't know if they're good, but I might consider watching those. Before. Can I ask a question? Because I was not sure what was what was up the angle afterwards, like with. With Cornette and Homicide. But we also oh, need Chad's opinion on that. That part where that part where Cornette turned face. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did he turn face? Because he's uh, he did to me. He's he's talking shit to the minority, which is very in line with. Uh, no, Jay, that's not what I'm talking Jay about. Cornette. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. So he gets to the end and he says that he will give homicide. I think he said three wishes. You know, I'll grant you three things for you or something like that. And the first one was, he. I think he wanted Carino in the ring. And then he wanted a shot at the ROH title. And then the last one is he wanted low-key reinstated. And Cornette mm-hmm. said, well, I'm not going to reinstate low-key. And I popped. Uh, oh. <laughs> I see. I see why he turned face. Yeah. The Carino thing with him had been going back to, like, the early day, like, the first year. Just FYI. So... Um, that was my takeaway. And then he didn't want, he said, no, I'm giving things to you. I'm not, I'm not bringing low key back. That's something for somebody else. I think that's what he said. It was hard to hear, but that was my, my understanding of it anyway. That eventually leads to homicide beating Danielson for, um, the title at final battle that year. Um, sorry, Matt. I, I I just killed the whole killed that whole line outright dead. Um, so at least for me, this is. I would recommend this match based off of watching the structure of it. Um, you guys have already talked about a lot of the stuff, and I wouldn't really call this one a death match either. This is this is a multi man hardcore cage match, is what I would call it. Um. I would call it an old school southern blood and guts like brawl in a cage is what I would say more than a death match. I'd say that's closer. Um, That's that's kind of what I'm going for. But the. um, Not war games. No, no matter what rules they say they're using. Um, But I would recommend watching it. Just kind of watch how they structure it and what they do when because of it. that's that's why I would say it's it's for it's good for watching. I would agree with that. So Matt, what was what was what did we want to what did you want to discuss before we headed off for the evening? 
Uh, I want two quick things, um, AEW related. And again, I, I mentioned earlier that I'm not trying to be like the AEW fan podcast, um, and I'm not trying to hate on people. If you if you are a WWE fan, I, we just reco- we just reviewed a, an old school WWF show and enjoyed it. Uh, we're not exactly like the uh, enjoy all wrestling uh, type podcast, but it, we're like we. We've obviously been fans for many years, so if you love WWE, I'm not. We're not hating on you. If you act like a jackass, though, you can. That's the thing. It's like people who are like they. You wish death on basically every other company but WWE because only the WWE way is like the way to go. And well, it's like and, and, I don't respect that. I, I I have issues with that, and I don't like that attitude. And I'm not trying to be that way with AEW. Like we could talk about. We have problems. We have, we have problems with the booking yeah. and stuff with AEW, but. Honestly, like, I don't talk about it very much on this podcast, and I have a lot of problems with their booking, but I don't mm-hmm. talk about it because there is such, like, like people just mindlessly hate on them all the time that, like, I don't want to add to, like, that stupidity. Because, like, yeah, there's booking issues with the company, but there are people that are, like, obsessed with this, like, well, they're just losing billions upon billions of dollars, and they're going to die any day now, and it's like... You honestly have no idea how business works because I'm not telling I'm not saying they make money, but like they don't lose as much money as you think they do. Yeah. And this is even true of like even like I'd say more hardcore AEW fans than I am. Like there's they can be so negative where it's like because I follow some of these people or, or read some of the stuff on like Twitter uh, on some different discords and it's like <laughs> like jesus guys like you you're so negative it's like they could have like three or four like really solid matches that are amazing and you get for free on tv and then they could be like oh there was like a five minute segment with mjf and roderick strong and it was just so like fucking like the wwe i hated it terrible terrible dynamites garbage and it's like okay guys like, well, the, well matt, matt it wasn't it wasn't geared exactly towards their taste so obviously like the company's off the rails yeah i mean in i i'm not i'm probably more sympathetic to like the mjf adam cole storyline and the whole brochachos thing and everything like that i'm probably more sympathetic than the average person well, I think some but people. Like, I get, the, I get the hate. I get the hate, but it's also like, come on, guys, it's not. Well, what did they? are not doing two hours of this like the WWE would. Well, and I think, I think you have to give them some leeway. They're trying to keep Adam Cole on the air with an injury. Like, so what are they supposed to do? I mean, I, I can, I can appreciate the argument that it's like, you know what, he got injured. It's really awful. It, it uh, greatly affects your storyline, but. If he's going to be out for a long, long period of time, which it seems like he is, then you just have to do something else and then re- try to revisit if you can. I, I can appreciate that uh, versus like, let's do like three months of segments with him. And it, it, it like you can burn out. I, I get it. I get it. But it's also like this is not the worst thing you've ever seen. And it's like five minutes a week. It's not like the WWE where they would have like beaten you over I, the head with it every week. There's hype. There's so much like hyperbole. Like I generally like uh, the Voices of Wrestling podcast. Like I've mm-hmm. I've started listening to them 
uh, like sort of frequently this year. But one of the guys who does it, like Joe Lanza, who who I mean he he talks to wrestlers like he's he has some connections. It's like he literally like on his Discord was like in a heated moment was like like the Miz is better than MJF, and he was like I'm like that's the most insane comment. Like even like in in even like hyperbole, it's like that's a ridiculous comment. When he's on yeah. the podcast, like he at least like explains why he doesn't like it and i i can at least respect he because pretty, pretty much on the podcast he's like it's not to my taste i think that's really the long short of it and that's fine but it's yeah. also like don't like it's stop making like really high hyperbolic well i think people but, forget though and i think i think they've lost their way and they get a little too wwe at times like i'll, I'll agree with that but I think people are forgetting like what the early days were like, where there was like not enough of that stuff, and how tedious it could get. Yeah, yeah it, it, I don't see what I had called the um, AEW excess quite as much as I used to. You know how because everything, every match, you were seeing uh, Poison Ranas, and you were like you were seeing a lot of the same stuff, and it's impressive. But you're seeing a lot of the same stuff. You don't see that as – you remember whenever they, they put out the memo that's like, hey, look, start doing this stuff. Talk to the agents about what you're doing in the match. Quit flipping the crowd off so much. Like, And people freaked out over it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're not seeing the same spots like four times a night. Like, hey, stop head-dropping people like it was – Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could have at least gotten a – Hey, the uh, the Canadian destroyers a finish, not a high spot. Knock it off. But like, but. I mean, like when I went, I enjoyed the last time I went. But they did like an extended entering promo with like when the Jericho Society broke up, and I didn't dig it because like I don't go to stuff for that for like ten minute entering promos. But like I can say like at least it was only ten minutes and not twenty minutes. But like, yeah, that stuff's not to my my taste. Um, but you kind of have to have that stuff to change it up. You've got to have transition points. I'm sorry, Matt, go ahead. I stepped on you. Uh, just to, just to bring it back. Like I, this wasn't even like the point I was trying to make. I know. I was just, just kind of prefacing. It's been a frustration of mine for like a long while because like there's this whole, I'm just tired of, I'm tired of like, these half stories like coming up on these podcasts, them asking mm-hmm. people like Dutchman tell like these half stories where they didn't even give them all the facts and they're giving like these ill thought out opinions because it gives like clicks and stuff. And like when they were talking yeah. about like the financials, like, well, they can't be making money and Tony Khan's a money marks. Like you guys don't even know what they're like making. Like, well, that's a great segue. Cause I was trying to preface this by saying like, it's just not, meant to be like rah rah AEW and I'm not trying to hate on WWE but there is this like whole like there's nonsense where it's like it's so much negativity and it's like why like it's it actually isn't justified and like we we've never seen even WCW never consistently drew like AEW has drawn like I mean like historically Yes, they've even they're even doing better. I mean, and Meltzer said this and someone lost their goddamn mind because he talked about this. And and Meltzer was great. He's like, yeah, well, I know it didn't. I know before 2019 doesn't count because they didn't invent cars until then. But yeah, um, (laughs) but but like he was 
he was salty the last few days. But like they they've even now when they're a little down, they're they're doing better than a lot of periods of WWE. Even like as recently as like four-ish years ago, they they're doing better, like drawing wise and like you know people don't understand like historically like New Japan like runs like places like Corican Hall for most of their shows, which is like it's a twelve hundred seat arena, like um territories. Yeah, they'd have their big monthly show in like a big arena, but then the rest of the time they're running like gyms and armories in front of 800 people. Like, I maybe CMML CMLL at some points has had like better drawing than this, but it's yeah. it's it's pretty unprecedented and people are losing their goddamn minds about it. AEW uh has been down. They've been actually increasing uh recently in the last few weeks which also coincided with uh, fixing their price, I guess. Yeah. Fixing their ticket pricing because there are people who made the argument, which it's like, I was even somewhat skeptical. It's like, mm, is that really it? Or are they just like cooling off? Uh, and I think it's, they are, they, they have cooled off, but people made the argument. It's like, well, you know, a huge part of this problem is like they're, they're overpricing their tickets. If they fix their pricing, like it'll improve. And they did, AEW did like lower their prices on tickets. And all of a sudden, like they're, their ticket sales went up. So there is something to that. But, um, I mean, people forget that AEW started before it actually was a company, like the whole, all the original all in way, way, way back in the day, years ago at this point was because Melter flat out said like on, on Twitter or something where it's like, yeah, like, uh, no indie promotion can do like 10,000 tickets sold. Like only WWE really can do that at this point. And, the Bucks and Cody Rhodes, like he was basically like, Oh really? Like bet you. Like bet. Like we can yeah. do that. And they did. And that's how the ball started rolling. Well but they and I, they, they met Tony Khan because they ran out of money and he funded yeah. the rest of the show. Yeah. But and that that's that started the whole snowball. But I, I'm bringing all this up because I noticed like this past Thursday, uh like the last day of November, like Meltzer on Twitter was like super active responding to people like arguing all day long with people about the profitability of aew oh and he was were... he was clowning hard on some of these people oh he was and it, it and i was confused it's like why is he like going so hard in the paint all day long because he was all day long he was arguing with people and people were just i don't know if it's a combination of people who are like of the the kind of like the jim Cornette fanboy not uh mindset where it's like i think um, i think it's, honestly it's what's wrestling I think what's happening is you're starting to get a backlash to like this constant negativity because I think it's just hit a point where most people are just like, can you shut the fuck up about it already? Like, I don't care if it's bad, like just shut up about it. At a certain point, it doesn't entirely make sense uh, in the face of reality, but that's kind of what he was getting at. It's like, there there are people who is arguing. It's like, Oh, I don't know if it's like, it's probably both. The answer is probably both, but it's almost like it's on the one hand, it's like the Jim Cornette, mindset where it's like this is not the wrestling that i like or i'm used to so it it cannot it cannot be profitable or succeed like, well no people can't, it's like, the, people it's, can't like this it's the jim Cornette. it's the jim Cornette fans that are like oh my god there's gays blacks and women this can't be good or making money yeah. and i don't like it yeah uh well that, i mean i think there's there's a certain amount of that because there are people like this sidebar there are people who are like trashing sort of scott 
it's for Strickland. And he, he's even like commented on Twitter and it's like, you don't have to do this swerve. Like you don't need to waste your time, but he's pointing out where like a lot of people have been like, Oh, you know, I don't really see what's special about him. And it's like, it all kind of, it, if you dive into the comments, it really does boil down to like a lot of racism where it's like, Oh, so what? It's like a black gimmick. It's like, no, no. like it's well, not, no, he's see, not, they, they want, isn't, I'm a black dude. They want his him. Gimmick. They want him. Um, they want him in WWE doing a stereotypical black gimmick, and then he can be special. Like, well, that's the other side of this. Like, people who are like thinking like, oh, AEW can't be profitable. It's. I also feel like the other side of the coin is that they're really hardcore, like WWE fans. It's like it's they're incredulous that another company could actually be like making money and profitable. Because uh, Meltzer was going hard in the paint all day Thursday, trying to argue people. It's like, no, I, and. It, I said I said on a Twitter, it's like you're not you're not going to beat Meltzer on this because Meltzer has been studying this for like thirty plus years. Like he's been studying figures, he's been studying attendance figures, he's been studying ratings. Like he obsesses over this stuff. Closer to, to forty, it's honestly. Like, it's 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 to the point where it's like I'm not trying to like say anything about him. I don't know anything about him. I've met him a couple it's times. It's his passion nice in guy. life. It is it is it's his, his passion, but it's like yeah. it's like are is is Meltzer like neurodivergent? <laughs> like this is like he's laser focused on things like this. But my point is like he studied this. There's so much history. No one knows a history like he does. If he tells you which he has, he he was saying it on Twitter, it's like no, AEW historically and in the context of today is more profitable and successful in its short existence than most years of wcw back in the day pretty much all years all of but like TN- two years TNA impact yeah yep. tna impact and even better than some years of the wwe like 94 like, and like, 95 97 96 yeah, probably um if you're talking attendance wise like 18 19 and 20 um, they lost money in 2002, but that was because of um, that was because of WWE New York, though I think. But yeah. I mean, people have lost their mind, and I was like, people lost their mind at this. Um, and he actually made. They're trying to argue it's like well, profits and revenues, like they're not the same thing, and it's like okay, well, I, I but I wondered, it's like why is uh, why are they like really arguing this so much, and why is he going so hard in the paint? And then it came out Friday. Like they, Dave actually in his in the Observer like had a report, and this year 2023, AEW estimated the revenue to be between 170 to 175 million, and does that does that compare to the WWE? No, obviously WWE is like far and away the better, but it's really good for a company that's only like five years old versus the WWE, I, which but is I don't, like I don't you could argue that WWE in its current form. It's like 40 years old, but it really like dates back to even before then. So it's like you're you're dealing with a 40 plus year company having like the market leader share of everything. And that has like this part of like a massive media conglomerate whose stock is tanking right now. That I don't think mm. is their fault, but um, necessarily. But uh, you, that's a separate argument. But yeah, yeah like since, well, since the since the UFC WWE merger, like that stock has gone down, 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 and that I, is actually. People, the WWE fans like crowing about everything WWE does, any success they have. It's like y'all are missing like 
the problem. You got real problems. Like, it's it's the, honestly the company that now owns you. Like Vince McMahon doesn't own them anymore. Vince, the company that now owns you isn't real happy with you guys. Well, I don't even think I don't even that's think a lot that. of that's the WWE's fault. Like the the stock price and everything. They're owned by idiots. Like now, like that that whole yeah, UFC own, group is is yeah. are morons. And I think where where I'm concerned, and I think a lot of people should be concerned, is if if they turn around for some reason and were to sell WWE, like it's going to get they, dark real quick because which they want to do. They've already hinted they want to do it. And that's and that I don't want them to do that because that this is why they shouldn't have sold to them in the first place. But if they do that, it's going to get bad real quick. And, and here's the thing, like I don't like WWE, but if something bad were to happen to WWE, that's bad for wrestling as a whole. It's bad for wrestling as a whole. Um, and that's the thing that, that the, like the, the WWE fans that are so blindsided, they're only in the moment. They want to, any 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 success perceived or real that WWE has. Like, oh, we signed, we just signed Punk. Like, and they any, botched it. They, view, they botched, they botched it, it. But any, anything that they view as a success, like they're gonna crow about that. And it's like, guys, literally, like you're there. Someone has started to like set your house on fire. You should be concerned about that. Uh, there, a report just came out. Like, like uh, I don't know his first name, but Shapiro, who's like one of the heads of like TKO, which is the new company that merges UFC and WWE, just issued a statement. It's like, yeah, we're gonna like start cutting WWE house shows because it doesn't make sense to run them in every market. And it's like they're already starting to bullshit. Like they're already being like, uh, you know, maybe we need to start paring down some of this WWE stuff. Yeah, now, it's, and the thing that is, it makes a certain financial sense. It makes a certain financial sense, but it's like this is how it starts. Like mm-hmm. they start looking at the WWE and be like, huh, yeah, maybe we should start trimming a little more for profits. And it's like that's look, Vince McMahon sold the WWE because this was his power play to get back into play into power, and the problem with that is that the people who actually like had more power than him at the company, like Ari Emanuel, they just crowded him out. So Vince isn't in power anymore. And well, I kind of, I kind of wonder too, if he, I, I mean, I don't know the true story, but there's a part of me that wonders if he saw the writing on the wall with like where the stock was going. And he's just like, Nope guys, I'm out. Lulz. I'm taking my money. I mean, I think he wants the power. I think he wants to run the WWE again. But, I mean, there's no – there's actually is no, like, downside for him because at, at, if he doesn't get control of power, he can just sell his stock and all that and just continue being a billionaire. Yeah. So – Because I, I – because I – because the thing is, like, it, <clears throat> like I'm, it's not an anti-WWE thing, like, with this whole TKO thing. Like, mm-hmm. what they did never works. Like, but it, I, I agree with you. It's like it's troubling. It's like, and, and again, the WWE fans are short-sighted. But it's like the reason why I think AEW is safe for now is because this is like the baby of one guy. And it's he's a young. he's a pro sports owner. That's what I think people don't understand when they talk about them losing money. And they've talked about it before. They operate on an internal budget. Oh yeah. Because the, because people act like they're spending all this money on talent and like yeah they have a big roster but i bet you i bet you their total payout to talent you'd be shocked at how 
Like, I bet they don't even spend fifty million on talent. Uh, that's probably yeah. Because I you bet know, you. I don't, I don't know their internals, but I mean, I could, I could believe that. Because there's a lot of guys probably making five hundred k, and like you know, guys like Edge are probably making like around a million and stuff. But people think like he's paying like, I don't know some rando wwe guy like 1.5 million dollars to wrestle there it's like no he's not stupid look i love a guy like chuck taylor chuck taylor is not making a million dollars a year no but he might be making 250 yeah he might be making like because he's established he was from the beginning like he might be making like six figures but oh i mean he's uh, definitely making six figures because i think um i think joey janela said he was making like six figure. I think Joey Janela said he was, um, he was, he said at some point, but he was making pretty good bank. But I mean, if you're, if you're Chuck Taylor and you're making 250 K a year, like that's amazing. If you're grinding out indie dates. Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, proud and powerful Santana Ortiz. Like that was like part of the, the actual real life, like issues between them is that Ortiz was like, we were making like great money. Like I, I, I'm okay. Continuing to make good money. And Santana, I guess had, he had, he took umbrage to that where it's like, I want to like, you know, do more. And uh, that's a whole separate argument. And it's like, what's the, uh, what's the upside of like Santana or Ortiz? Where are they going to do elsewhere? But I think they're like getting paid like pretty well. Yeah. Um, but I, let me, let me circle back. Like my whole point is like, I was confused as to why is Meltzer like, arguing so much why are people like arguing so hard that AEW just can't be profitable and he made that argument where it's like it dave made the argument it's like well actually like historically they are really profitable like based upon everything and they're profitable today but then he had that story where uh 2023 they have 170 to 175 revenue uh but the thing that's like undersold is that it's actually gone up and up and up every year like 2020, uh, estimated revenue 64 million. 2021, 86 million. So they went up, uh, not quite 20 million, but they went up. 2022, 100 million. So it went up again. 2023, 170, 175. That which is a, a big, a big. They they were growing like 15 to 20 roughly million per year. This huge jump. Once like yeah. 70 to 75 million dollar jump. And I mean, it's potentially going up from there because that's the other point I wanted to make. Well, they got uh, collision was... and sold like I know they got rampage in more markets like people don't understand. That's the one thing people don't understand to go with your point. They don't understand. And it, people always have to tell people this. and They always ignore it. Like what we know they make for dynamite in the United States that's not for dynamite globally that's just for dynamite on tnt they go to other countries and make more money selling the rights to dynamite like when the when dynamite's in the uk they get a whole new tv deal for that that's how like impact survived for so long was tv rights yeah well that's another great segue because that's the other thing that's the other point i wanted to make is that the tv rights for aew are coming up Oh, there's going to be there's going to be massive butthurt because the what's going to happen is Warner's going to re, I'm just going to predict here. Warner's going to resign them and they're going to 
buy the streaming rights for them to be on HBO Max. And they're going to sell like those rights with it. So it's not going to just be, it's going to be like the whole TV package. So like they're not going to get like a SmackDown deal, but they're going to get like a billion dollars like in a package deal and people are going to be pissed. Well, we'll see like that. That would be obviously ideal. Um, But I did want to note the TV rights because there was something that came up in the last like week, which uh, so a guy, someone on Twitter and this this isn't even like like Sean Russ Sapp or Dave Meltzer, like one of the quote unquote established like wrestling journalists. This was a, a Twitter blue check. Which has never meant less than it does now, because after Elon Musk bought Twitter, like basically anyone like you and I can spend like eight dollars a month to buy a blue check. Which is the best thing he ever did, because it took like that toxic element out of Twitter. Like I still it it took the value of a blue check out of which I I love so much because that was that was such a problem on Twitter. Like I don't agree with a lot of what he's done on Twitter, namely the X thing, but like getting rid of the blue check mark for all intents and purposes was like brilliant. Yeah. But anyway, a dude who basically pays for the blue check said, Oh, like the, these are the sources that like the raw, de- cause the raw, de- the, the SmackDown deal has been announced. NXT TV deal has been announced. Raw has not been announced cause they're still negotiating it. And this individual sent out a tweet saying like, oh, the following people are the ones who are like interested in w- in Raw. Like this is who they're negotiating with. And I think they listed Amazon, listed Disney. These are, these are these two companies have been listed by other people before. Uh, I feel I, like Sean Rossap, Meltzer may have mentioned them, but so I don't see I don't see it from getting. Disney though, because they're they're hurting so bad financially. They are, but they make really poor decisions so it's believable <laughs> that is true uh but they've been reported before so it's like okay you're, you're getting you're taking information that has already been reported so that's possibly true but then they also was like oh they're also in discussions with warner brothers discovery for like for it, so which obviously warner brothers discovery is the company that has been working with aew let me tell you like this person posted this the shitstorm this Every single major like WWE blowjob account, like just nothing but trashing AEW, only positive like like WWE stuff, like mocking like the the WWE Gareth people on Twitter, all those people, shitstorm. They were just like patting themselves, like literally like tearing rotator cuffs, patting themselves on the back, being like, see. Warner Brothers is so upset with AEW's ratings, whatever. They want the real wrestling company, WWE. But WWE like, doesn't. WWE wouldn't even double Dynamite's ratings, and they would expect like four they, times the price. They. This guy posted this, and it was like all of the usual nonsense accounts started patting themselves on the back, like chatting endlessly about how like clearly this is proof that Warner Brothers wants the real wrestling company. They're so upset with AEW. They're disappointed at AEW. Like, they're going to, like, abandon AEW. Literally, like, a couple of days later, report from actual, like, credible wrestling journalists came out. Statement from Warner Brothers Discovery people. It's like, oh, yeah, actually, Nick Khan, 
of the WWE came to us wanting us to like air raw and we shot him down said no. <laughs> so that's the story the story is like oh like oh Warner Brothers Discovery is like considering it it's like no the WWE came crawling to Warner Brothers Warner Brothers is like yeah like they hold on let me let me find let me find something but basically like they Warner Brothers Discovery was like eh I don't think so. I don't think Wait. that's really like in our interest. So they shot them down. So, so do we know what's going I, I, on it, with Raw? It was this. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on one second. Uh, hold on. Is it the the whammy? No, it's this. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> it's Roman Reigns to Ryan Danielson. Wait, wait, hang on, it. hang on. I have to. I have to, I'm not going to pull it up on my phone, but I've got another one for you. That doesn't work for me. Brother. <laughs> All right, you so, were ready for me. So, I was ready for uh, Ikarashita. Yeah. So do we? That work for me, so brother. so my thought on Raw is is um they're not getting the offers that they want for it. They probably are, but in fairness, like I fully, I would not be surprised at all if Raw ultimately winds up with like a, much like SmackDown NXT. It's like they, I. If they get a billion dollar deal, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm not hating on them. No, but I mean, I, I, I think I, I they probably like they aren't getting what they want. I think it's so weird. It's I think it's weird that they're well, they kind of took a bath on SmackDown, truthfully. Um, but like, I think it's weird that that's essentially their flagship show and they haven't announced a deal for it. And they actually divorced NXT from it, which I thought that was going to be a package deal. I feel like they're not getting the offers they think they should. And, I mean, I don't know. Um, so I, I understand why USA – I don't know why USA took SmackDown, actually. But that was really weird to me. But I, I don't know. Like, if I was a company, I don't know if I'd pay a billion dollars for Raw. Because I don't think it brings it in. Like, honestly, like – Peacock should just be trying to like secure the first run rights to it and streaming it to try and like build their service out more. Well, Peacock would have to be, you know, useful. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's I'm, I'm still blown away by just how clunky that interface is in the but, season model that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And so it. Yeah. Okay. The season model works for like, TV shows, but it they've just applied it to everything. And season three of Survivor Series is not the one show in 1998. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I hate that they do that. I, I know it's terrible. Tell you how and, it is. I and feel like I don't want them to end up on Amazon because I feel like that would be bad for their fans. Like, I'm just in this place where it. I'm agreeing with you. It's suspicious that they have not announced the raw deal when they've announced everything else. But I don't know if it's, I I am wondering if it's like, we're not getting the money we want to, or that would be my guess. They're just not getting, it's not, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm stumbling over my words. It's not that it's they're not getting the money offers they want. It's that they're not getting on a high enough profile network that they want. Well, the problem they have is, and they've been lucky with two of the shows, but 
it's really a bad landscape to try and negotiate TV rights right now. Like, I, like all like non-negativity towards them. Like it's a tough market right now. No one really has a lot of money and there's a lot of uncertainty and there's going to be a massive content drought, drought, drought next year and people are going to be hurting real bad. So I think it's hard to, to get people to sign up for that. But I think, I think Amazon would be bad for their fans because you're making it harder to access. You're, you're making it a milder version of pay-per-view that way. Yeah. Well, they I mean, I have to have, I think I think they could probably do free with ads on Amazon, but that's still like a degree of you have to have good internet, you have to this and that and be able to stream and I I just I don't I just think like going from TV to streaming is not great for fans. And I, I and especially in like other venues like college football, like it's really sad that they're making like your local college team more and more inaccessible to like the everyday fan. It's just a place of, if you're not getting the interest from the people you want to get the interest from, because I I could see the idea being raw being the flagship program needs to be on a network that has as least as many eyes on it as it did, but they can't go to USA. If USA is, said, oh, you know, well, we'll offer you this much less because I, I don't know why USA right did that. I'm so confused by why they took why SmackDown. They up, well, if they keep... I mean, I understand it's a bigger brand because it was on Fox, but, like, for, for USA, like, you, it's going to a different night, and, like, it's just... It's such a bizarre move. Like, I don't understand why they did that. Uh, I... It just seems like risky. It seems like you had your built-in audience, you're changing nights, and it could blow up in your face. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't know enough about the landscape to have anything more than just vague theories. So. I guess it's more consistent. You don't have to eat it during football season. So, I mean, they might have that going for them. Mm, okay. But, like, I, I just think they're not getting the price they want. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. Like, I mean, like Matt said, they could turn around and it could be a billion. But I kind of wonder if it's going to be a disappointing deal. Look, I, I think they're going to get paid. I agree with you, though, that going from, like, a network uh, TV deal to streaming would be horrible. Um but I don't think they'll care because, again, it, no, they don't give a shit about their fans at this point. Like WWE isn't owned by Vince McMahon. Yeah, that's so that's the thing with the all team, their stands online it, is like Vince yeah. McMahon's is Vince isn't going to show up at, his, at your house and have sex with you. So stop. <laughs> well, I, they, it, it's now owned by another company. It's owned by TKO. It's owned by Endeavor. So it's just yeah, Dana White's not going to show up at your house and have sex with you either. So stop. Yeah, it's, it's an asset <laughs> on a ledger sheet, ledger sheet. So it's like they just see like, oh, we got a billion dollars for this deal. So they don't care that it's like it's actually a bad idea to have it streaming. I mean, the WWE Network is on Peacock and Peacock just announced they, had, they lost like something like over two billion dollars this year. So it's like it's it's a mess. Streaming is not. Oh, everyone go, lost but... the streaming wars like that was yeah. the that was. I mean, the the stuff with um, streaming so bad, and they've made me so angry. Like, they got me buying Blu-ray and DVD again. Like, 
if I see a movie I really like on a streaming service, I end up just buying it. Like I just watched um on HBO Max, I watched The Descent a couple weeks ago and liked it so much I bought the Blu-ray because I didn't want to have to like find it again. Uh I, I'm contractually obligated to mention him, but friend of the show. Yes, <laughs> I know. Uh, he's, he champions like buying uh, content on digital media. I'm buying CDs or, again di- uh, because sorry, I, I, I wait. I, my God, I, I screwed that up. I don't. I I said digital media. I meant actually like physical media. That's the word. Like he advocates having stuff on an actual like DVD DVD disc, Blu-ray disc, something that like physically. That they can't go around and like then edit or pull off a streaming service, etc. They got I me. Like our friend, our friend Tim has like talked about that before. Like he he hates that so much content is on streaming services. They can just decide like, uh, oh, this old content is, doesn't fit with the current morals of the day, so we have to remove it. And it's like, well, it's it's worse ridiculous. than that. Like it's... they've got me, they've got me buying CDs again because, like, I'm tired of. Not being able to find like the the artist twenty years later decides they're gonna re-record it for like new fees rights or for a movie, and then all these services replace the original version with it. It's like yeah, I really want to hear like the singer of the Scorpion singing "Rock You Like a Hurricane" with his blown out vocals and stuff, or um, like. <sighs> Like it's gonna it's gonna happen. Like if you like the original version of 1984 with Taylor Swift, you better buy it now because her shitty like re-record of it's gonna replace all the mm-hmm. originals. I, I get hers at least because she didn't have the rights to hers and can't access them. No, so but she doesn't. she changed the way she recorded one and it sucks now. Like it's not like she just did straight up re-records of it and it's like just a little different. Like she really screwed some of it up. So I, I, I've said before, I am an unabashed, like pop music fan. Uh, so I actually like Taylor Swift. Uh, some of her re-record stuff is not as good. I'm not saying it's garbage. I'm just saying like, she just released, uh, like a re-recording quote unquote Taylor's version of like the 1989 album. 89, uh, sorry. She I was thinking of the wrong thing. Yeah, she doesn't own the rights to the 1989 album anymore, so she re-recorded to, like, you know, have the rights to this version. But it's not as good, in my opinion. And I, I flat out will tell you that I think 1989 is one of the best pop albums of, like, all time. Certainly of, like, the, the 2010s. Like, it's, it's a fantastic album. It's not as good. Yeah, but so, that, so that's why they got me buying CDs again because like a lot of these older bands yeah. for like movies and stuff are doing re-records and it's like I don't want to hear like or remasters. Six, yeah, and it's like well remasters can really suck because like I think Iron Maiden they like botched. No, maybe it was Metallica. One band like they did remasters and they totally botched the mix. So then the vocals <laughs> and the music were all screwed up and it's like they had to fix that, but then sometimes that's what they put on streaming services is like the botched the botched remaster and it's just i've had enough it's like i you know i'm fine with a remaster but like i want the choice of like which version i want and sometimes sometimes though like what i hate about remasters is like they fix things which ruins like sometimes like sometimes um depending on the band 
a shitty recording kind of adds to um to the uh to the music like if i'm if i'm like getting like like if you tried to like remix i'm going real old and weird on this but if you wanted to like remit like remaster like grand funk railroad like just fucking don't like it needs to be a shitty recording that sounds old because like that adds to the sound uh I was gonna make a point that I forgot it. <laughs> um, it, it. It bothers me, like you said, of them taking stuff down because the big example that I've heard is the D and D episode of Community. Yeah, it's and, gone now. And and the the thing that bugs me is I've seen that episode. The whole point behind Chang being dressed like he is is he's like, well, no, I'm a drow, I'm a dark elf, and they're like, can can you, like the whole thing is poking fun of the fact that they're not sure whether it is or not. It's not that he's like wearing blackface. It's that they're like they're not sure if it is or not. Like that's the point of the joke. So they're not being like, oh, you know, he's wearing blackface. It's like, does that count? You know, and so. Well, it's because see, the people making these decisions have no sense of humor, so they don't so, they don't take context don't into it. And then there are some things that are streaming exclusive that I that you can't get your hands on physical copies of, which well, frustrates me too. The problem is though you'll be watching something, and it's happened to me multiple times, and the the rights will change and it'll just be unavailable, and then you either have to go find out which service it moved to, or it's just gone because no one has the, the oh, streaming yeah. rights at the I moment. Mean, Deep Space Nine left Netflix and went to Paramount Plus and. I'm not paying for Paramount Plus. No, nope, me neither. It's just not happening because yeah. what does Paramount Plus have that I want to watch? Um, TNG and Deep Space Nine, and that's really about it. Yeah, and you might as well just, for a year of that, you might as well just buy the Blu-rays. Yeah. I remember what I wanted to, to say, like the whole remaster thing. Uh, and this is like... Uh, so, Tony Khan apparently... For however long he he owns it, but he owns the rights to Cult of Personality. <laughs> so, like they, they, they wait, he can't use. That. Does he not use Cult of Personality in WWE? They did. They did use it, but they had to use. Uh, a, they I guess the this year they did a remastered version of that. So they had they so they the WWE <laughs> had to use the remastered version, and there are people who are even punk fans. You were like, this version sucks. Like, why are they reusing? Why are they doing this? So it's like, it's such a, I mean, like, it's, you could argue it's a kind of a dick move by Tony Khan, but it's like, it's funny. Oh, you know what, you know what, you know what I hope he did? There's a term to that right ownership and he owns it until the term's up, right? Like, yeah. God, you know what I hope and he I did? I have no idea when the term's up, but I mean... You know what I hope he did as soon as Punk came out? He called him up like, hey, I want to extend this for another five years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I didn't realize that happened, but that makes sense, though. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that makes me so happy. It's really funny. It's like, it's, it's something that's been lost, because, like, obviously, like, people were talking... About, about his uh, failure of a promo and... <laughs> wow that you know what's funny though is his um that hype died so quick but i i don't i don't even blame him like they bungled it so hard 
like when all these people are going to be talking about Triple H Booker of the Year, like that, the way they handled that Raw should automatically lose him the award because that is that is like a Billy Pumpkins level bag fumble. Any questions? Uh, I can't help myself. And he wasn't he wasn't even on Raw last this week, was he? He was not. And the raw rating was like right back to normal. But why? Why wasn't he? Why was? Why wasn't he on Raw? Like I don't understand. Why wasn't he on Raw? I don't know. Other than uh, the thing that I had heard is that it's like it's December, so like their Raw isn't WWE isn't like putting in too much effort to stuff. But but why debut him at Survivor Series? Because it was Survivor Series in Chicago. But the, that but was that was it. I don't I don't under like I I don't like punk, but I am so perplexed by like what the how they've handled him. Like I, this is not how I would have handled him at all, because you even saw um the ratings from his from Raw last week is there were a bunch of people tuning in right when it started. They saw there was no punk and they went away and didn't come back. Some of them, some of them came back, but but they didn't. There's a huge dip in the middle, and it wasn't all of them. Yeah, it's like I don't understand. Like, I mean, if you guys were booking that and you got Punk, wouldn't you just start Raw off with him and like do an angle or something to try and like rope people in? Yeah, it's like, look, you're here. We we want if if the opening is big then it'll hook people. That's why the second mo- most important match on the card is your card is your opener. So do that for your opener. Hey, you know, you've got 10 minutes of promo time. Don't get us sued. And then we're going to have... Jobby McJobber is going to interrupt you, and you're going to come back in segment two and wrestle them. We're going to give the people what they want. Get him hooked Oh, in. I wouldn't even give him that much. If it's his promo and someone interrupts the promo, it's like he's going to come in there, get mad. You're going to say something to him. Um, he's going to try and run you over, you know, duck the clothesline, pick him up, GTS, and and then, you know, hit him with that and then walk out and you do know what that. The, you know but, what the problem is? Is this reeks of, like, WWE arrogance? It's them treating their audience like it's a captive audience, not that they have to actually work to... Like, they, they didn't think they had to work to get those fans. Yeah. I think is the problem. Like, and I... Because I've been very critical of that, and I wanted to be on the show, but, like, for me, like, Punk is inconsequential, like, how I feel about him, like, because he could have done everything right. And the way they've handled him has been just absolutely the worst thing you could have done to like get interest. I, I am confused by it as well. And I don't know, man, it's just booking malfeasance. Like if you wanted to like get the least out of his return as possible to this point, like they've done everything (laughs) they, they could like, because the thing is, it's the typical Triple H thing, though, because I don't think they had a plan for him. But, like, he doesn't understand as a booker that long-term booking is good, but dragging things out for weeks at a time is not long-term booking, and it's not good. And people lose interest if things mm-hmm. don't happen. 
Like you're an action, you're an action drama soap opera. Have action and drama, not nothing. Pretty much. Like people would be disinterested in the Terminator if it took two hours of a movie for the Terminator to shoot someone. Yeah. Well. Yeah, there's lots of reasons not to do it the way they've been doing it, but. Don't don't wait three movies to put Tony Stark in Iron Man armor or specifically in comic books. Don't wait six issues to have Iron Man put the armor on because people get bored. Yeah, it's like I can take slow build and stuff, but if I'm reading something for a specific thing, give me that thing. It is the exact same thing that I kept saying over and over again when we would actually review their stuff for this show is their stubborn insistence of not striking when the iron's hot. You have that right there waiting for you. It is right there in your hand. Do it. Do it. And nope. They couldn't keep Cody hot for a year. And <laughs> again, it's not it's not his but again though with Cody it's not his fault. Like what are you what are you supposed to do when they don't give you anything to work with? Yeah, it's not Cody's fault, but it's cooling him off, and he does not need to be. Even if, massive if at this point, even if he beats Roman at Mania this coming year. It'll be a pale imitation of what last year would have been. Mm-hmm. They they lost like the climax. They lost the perfect moment. So at this point, it, again, he could Cody could win if they go that route. Uh, and I'll, you know, quietly rejoice as no longer around Roman. But it's also like it's, it's you've lost the moment. It's anti It's it's going to be anticlimactic. It's like okay, yeah. well. I think I think I'm their business done, is gonna. But... I think their business is gonna crater next summer, especially when like the punk effect, like, because I think punk's gonna band aid like where their business was slowing down. Because that's the thing, like their business is already starting to wane because of their terrible booking, and they're not gonna fix that until they fix the booking, which is like, because because the thing is they did get hot, but at every turn they did not give the audience what they wanted. Like they they went they did they did like the stuff they always do. They went out of their way to to give the crowd not what it's, they wanted. I, that's true, but it's also it's just beyond that. It's like if if you're gonna argue that oh the company is as hot as it is because of the bloodline storyline, it's like well you can't really advance it when you have the main character, i.e. Roman, showing up like once a month. At best, that, and not really like it's really more like every couple months, like maybe once a quarter he shows up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how can you, how can you do when you have like literally seven hours, uh, of of like actual like TV to, to build around? I mean, you're not gonna do seven hours based just on Roman, but I mean you have seven hours to fill, of which like at least two or more of that is supposed to be built around like the bloodline and how are you going to like actually do something with that when the the main character is gone i would argue weeks weeks upon weeks upon weeks i would argue what they did they think the bloodline is what drew all that extra interest and i would actually argue that sammy and cody having like a person they like having strong interesting baby faces is what got them churning again 
and it was a promotion that historically was built off of a strong baby face taking on all challengers. Yep. But, but Triple H fetishizes it. Well, see, the thing is, Triple H fetishizes the NWA, and he actually doesn't understand, like, how the touring champion thing worked or how, like, that long-running heel champion... Because the thing is, if you're in a territory, you only saw the champion a couple times a year. And, yeah, he was a heel, but usually, like, he found some way to escape with the title... But, like, your local champion that you saw every week was usually a face. Even if, like, the world champion was a heel. Like, it wasn't this ever-present thing over your promotion. Like no. It, it, it... How I was told when I was wrestling that what... If you want consistency, then what you do is you have a heel champion... That the babyface chases for a while, and then the babyface beats him, and you have your honeymoon period, and then you have another heel come along and steal the title from him. Like it, it is not that a um, it's not that uh, you you have a heel all the time. It's that you have you have the chase, and then you end the chase, and then you go to something else. But we're not getting that. Yeah, they don't understand that the chase does actually have to end. Mm-hmm. So. And I really think I really think the Cody thing was a botch though, because I think, and I know that it came out that it was like a Heyman and Roman call that he was supposed to win the title. Um, but that was just stupid because the Brock thing actually probably would have done really well as like a title program. Like, it was it like would have made sense that way. Yeah, and it would have probably been the best program they ran in a long time because like the Cody and Roman like build up to Mania was bad. Yeah. Cuz yeah. it was obvious they threw it together at the last minute. That's why that's why I mean whatever, he can get Booker of the Year, but like he he did not book that well this year. I think he's only getting it because like AEW wasn't particularly well booked this year. And not enough people watch CMLL to like properly uh, put them as like promotion and best book promotion of the year. Yeah. So, well, guys, I think our energy levels kind of dropping out. So yeah, my voice I think is this going. Is a good place to good place to call it. Everybody out there, thank you for joining us for this episode. I know we we started with one topic and then kind of meandered around, but that's okay. Um, if you're out there, we'd love to hear from you on social media. Uh, we may have a grab bag of stuff going into the holidays like we do sometimes, but all of that being said, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>